Hey guys, Albert here. Um, just wanted to put out a full disclaimer. Uh, there is a lot of editing in this episode. We actually recorded for over five hours. So in an effort to make the episode as consumable as possible, I did cut out either stuff where it was a side story or completely irrelevant, or to be honest, a lot of it was just me telling Jake stories I know I've already said on the podcast in the past. So yeah, the, nothing crazy, nothing we're trying to hide mainly just trying to keep the episode as consumable as possible these are going to start being longer episodes but that's also why i did cut it in two so make sure you listen to this part make sure you listen to part two i think they're really good and i think you'll really enjoy it and whatever platform you're on if you guys could go on and leave a review or a rating and just let me know what you think that would really help out on trying to grow the reach and just share it with all your friends and whoever you think will like it thanks Alright, so today, as promised, I have a guest. I know it's been a long time coming, but we have Mr. Jake Lira here. What's going on? How's it going, everybody? Hopefully good. Right? Hopefully. You never know with today's world. Everybody yeah. gets all in a wad if you ask them how they're going. <laughs> That's a fact. So, why don't you start off telling everybody kind of who you are, what you're about, what you do for money, just to prove I didn't bring some CEO in here. <laughs> well, they're wrong because I'm a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You know, no, I'm just joking. Um, I got a fortune. I got 500 bucks. That's right? my Fortune yeah, 500 there you go, company. Dude. You're making it. <laughs> um, Jake Lira, like you said, um, I own a trucking company out in Wiggins, Colorado. <clears throat> Lira Trucking is just me. Um, it's easier that way. I've owned multiple pieces of equipment, you know, semis and stuff, and I've just learned that easier to deal with yourself because if you <laughs> want to whine you whine to yourself or your wife and they usually tell you to shut up and go to work yeah my wife doesn't say anything that's half the problem with whining i was like are you even listening to me she goes yeah i just don't know what to say i'm like say something right <laughs> no my wife supports everything i do um you know we've been married for eight years been together for 10 and she's my biggest supporter and i can't thank her enough for that because without her in <clears throat> my corner there's there's really no Lyra trucking because she's the motivation that keeps me going when I'm like, man, this sucks. Fuels, you know, $5 a gallon. I don't want to do this shit anymore. I'll go drive someone else as well. Then you can't take a day off to go do this. Oh, you're right. I don't have the freedom if I go work for someone else. Yeah. Now, wives are, sometimes they're miss, under, or not miss, but underrepresented. My, I mean, my wife, I tell, I tell everyone, like everyone thinks it's like, oh, it's your shit. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't be as far as I am if she wasn't doing half the work. She does a lot for my company. Right. Yeah. She does everything on the back end. And I mean, hell, she was pregnant with our second kid uh, when I started. So that was, I know you're pregnant, but I want to go do this thing where I'm never going to be home. Right. <laughs> I'm going to drive all over the country. So let's do that. And she was just still supportive and stuck through it. So. That's always good. So how'd you how'd you land on trucking? Because I know you ain't always been a trucker. So um, uh, I grew up, you know, um, my dad was, I, he's blue collar. He worked in the nursery industry with trees and stuff, uh, plants, not, not what Colorado's famous for, actual, you know, trees <laughs> and, you know, red twig dogwoods, all that. Um, he made an, 
got to be like Tyler Luton. He had to come on here and say, I grow wheat with a hard T. Yeah. <laughs> I grow trees like the ones you plant in your yard, deciduous <laughs> and evergreens. That's where I started. <laughs> hmm. um, so, you know that. And my mom, she was a, a registered nurse for years, continued her education and became a, she's a doctor now out in Kansas. And so, you know, I, I was, I was definitely a middle-class family. Wasn't, wasn't entitled to a lot, you know, had to work and do stuff like that through high school. And I, I worked at the tree farm. I, um, did some oil field stuff. I worked for a ditch company where I learned how to operate equipment and, and, you know, get into the yellow iron side. I'd always been on the green side, but getting into the ditch company, I mean, I ran excavators, dozers, wheel loaders, I, rubber tired excavators. Dude, I never knew that existed until I worked for this ditch company. And I'll tell you what, the guys who can operate rubber-tired excavators without outriggers, they're fucking badasses. Like, I got a funny story about <laughs> rubber-tired excavators. So when I did uh, underground utility work, we had this uh, Mexican labor dude, and he barely spoke English. We would always play this game where I'd laugh at his fucked-up English and try to teach him to say it right, and he'd do that with my Spanish. But so I was trying to teach him the difference between a backhoe and a mini X yep. and an excavator. So I'm sitting there and it's like I'm trying to explain it to him, but he's only understanding like every eighth word. So I tell him the rubber tires as backhoe as backhoe. And he's like, okay. And then we're driving down I 25 and they're setting barriers with one of them rubber tire excavators. that goes backhoe. I was like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and the, my operator because I was kind of just the CDL driver slash labor at the time. My operator was, he was Mexican, so he spoke English and Spanish. And he just starts laughing. He goes, how'd that fucking explanation work out for you, dumbass? <laughs> so then he walked around, look at that backhoe. Look at that backhoe. <laughs> I was like, damn it. Fuck. And it, it was just one of those things. You had to be there. It was just the perfect timing because it was like two minutes after that came out of my mouth and he understood the rubber tire part. <laughs> <laughs> he sees that thing. I was like, fuck. Yeah, you're just sitting there like, I fail. <laughs> right down the wormhole we go now i have to explain in depth what this is like well yeah. so then i just did the front loader bucket i was like if it has a bucket on the front it's backhoe and then he sees loaders and calls them backhoes i was like this is too hard <laughs> i give up <laughs> no so i mean you know i learned that um i'm bilingual i can speak english and spanish fluently obviously because i'm speaking english that's impressive um, i didn't learn how to speak spanish fluently until i was 23 yeah the way they try to, te I took in school, I think I took a total of like all together from junior high to high school, like three total years of Spanish and two years of French. Can't say more than two words in French. I'll tell you that Spanish didn't teach me shit. M one of my best friends was Mexican. He also took Spanish <laughs> and I was like, you're a goddamn cheater because he spoke English. So he went in and said, oh, I don't know Spanish. <laughs> he totally did. He was born in Mexico. Whole family is Mexican. <laughs> His dad doesn't even speak English, <laughs> but he was like, he just played dumb to get the free credit in high school, I guess. Right. But the Spanish, they teach you like, um, so he I, was telling me it's, it's, they it's teach Spain. you, they, they teach you the proper ones. Yeah. So like what I speak, uh, Mexico, Spanish, dude, if I go to Spain, they're going to smack me cause I speak slang. It's yeah. slang. Like, um, in Spain it, you have to lisp. So my freshman year, like I, I knew a little bit of Spanish. I used to know like, Hey, how are you? You know, what are you doing today? I knew how to say those, those phrases. But like my aunts and uncles would all look at me and they'd say something back and I'm like, yeah, see, see, you don't like be calling me and they could be telling me I'm a dumbass. And I'm like, yeah, yeah see, like, um, my freshman year, I remember her name, her name was Miss Shackley and she was from Spain, dude. And like, this kind of goes into a, a wormhole, but one day her husband comes in 
and she kisses him. No big deal. You know, we're, we're 14, 15 year old kids and she's, you know, kisses him. And I'm like, Oh, how'd you guys meet? You know, me being just dumb kid and like trying to, you know, make small talk and get to know my teacher. And she's like, Oh, well he's my first cousin. And I'm like, what? Are you fucking serious? And she's uh, like, well, in Spain, it's totally normal. Like, people marry their their cousins. And I'm like, and I, I, mean, I could be wrong. I'm not really 100% sure on that if that's how it is. So if we have any listeners in Spain, like, please <laughs> feel free to fucking ridicule. Yeah, like, correct that one. <laughs> like, and so I'm sitting there, and um, she would always be like, hola, class, como estas? And, like, with the lisp. And, yeah. like, so I would talk. Like, in um, media, it's that's half, you know? For the longest times, dude, my cousins who were Mexican, same thing, like speak perfect Spanish. They took the class for easy credit. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not, my parents speak it, but I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Like, you fucking liars. <laughs> yep. And they would tell me that to say media, it was mierda, which is shit in Spanish. Yeah. So I'd be like, yes. She'd be like, que hora es? And I'd be like, it's once y mierda. So 11.30, you know, that's what I thought I was saying. Yeah. I was saying 11 shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got sent to the principal office so many times. I'm like, no, that's that's what I'm being told to say is that. And they're like, that's not what you're saying, though. And I'm like, that's not half. And then she finally come in and goes, you keep saying shit in my class. I'm not going to allow someone to be cussing. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. I didn't my know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, – I got a uh, pipeline company I worked for. So I know just enough Spanish to start a fight, basically. Right. <laughs> I can talk a lot of shit, and I can understand when people are talking shit about me, but that's the extent of my Spanish. Uh, it's very not useful when you're actually trying to get shit done at work. Right. But I was there one time, and uh, I was on the excavator, and I was helping the tie-in crew, and they were talking shit about me. So I started just blurting out random shit in Spanish, talking shit to them. And saying all kinds of mean things and telling them where to go stick things and shit like that. <laughs> the the superintendent heard me. He goes, oh, you're bilingual? Fuck, I'm going to leave you with these guys because I need someone who speaks English with these guys. And I was like, Backfire. no, 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 you don't understand. He goes, dude, you were just talking to him. Like, I, you might not like him, but you got to work with him now for the rest of the, the rest of this job. I was like, shit. So he'd be like, hey, I need you to go tell these guys. I need to go get a half 90, do this, do that, and grade this. And I'm like, Ugh. so I'm like fucking John pictures in the dirt with all these Spanish guys trying to get him to understand what, I was, what he wanted done. And finally, he, I don't know if he's just fucking with me or if he really did think it. But after a while, he brought another dude who was legitly bilingual. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that backfired real bad. Right. Yeah. So like, um, back to the trucking, uh, I went into the oil field, got my permit before I started with, um, a well-known outfit out here, you know, H2 enterprises. Mm -hmm. Um, they helped me get my license and I just got a passion for it. That's what I wanted to do was drive a semi. And one day I was going to buy one and I left there after, you know, I had my first daughter, uh, my oldest and went to another reclamation company worked there for like two weeks um i was promised the world you know you go to anything Mm -hmm. like any job will promise you the world oh you're gonna make x amount of dollars and you won't you won't be a laborer you'll do truck driving equipment operating i was i mean i was promised all that so i went to that's when i started working you know i'd worked at the tree farm for through high school middle school during the summer i'd work there with my dad and i went back there full time and i worked there for five years and I learned a lot. I was a manager there. Um, I managed $20 million worth of inventory. So, and I had 50 guys under me. I mean, I managed it, did it, did it. I thought I did a good job and 
they hired they they started trying to go corporate america mm-hmm. and that like when any company does that like being seeing it now like when i saw it it sucks like you lose you you literally become just a, a number at a job instead of you know a person they treat you like a number they don't care they're it's like it's like high school like you're mm-hmm. you're a cow they're moving you through to get their funding and pass you and all that and I saw the writing and I was, it got to like the last six months of my job when I was there. I hated it, dude. I didn't want to wake up, had no ambition to go to work. I mean, I would, I was salary. So I, I would, I would go for my eight hours. I'd show up at six and I would leave at two thirty. Mm-hmm. Like I would, you know, I gave them 30 minutes just because I was like, oh, I took lunch, like whatever. And I woke up, it was March, woke up one morning, um, went in my safe and got the money to buy my semi. Didn't even tell my wife, like just. She heard the beep, 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 getting the money out. I go and talk to the owner, and I said, hey, I'm done. I want to buy this semi. Um, I already had it appraised. They appraised it at, you know, like it was like $13,500. give you, i will give you, you know, X amount over it for it, and I paid for it. So that, that check you, that's the check you have now? Yep. So that it, came from the tree farm? It came from the tree farm. I, 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 it's <laughs> 13, cool. 13.5? Yep. Yeah, that was a little undervalued. And then uh, I uh, <laughs> I um, paid, you know, I paid over what they did it just to make, you know, it feel good. Yeah. And I, the cool thing is, is, like, that truck, I've been around since I was nine years old. So I've, I've up until, like, it, it's a 2000, so up until, like, 2005 ish i think is when they bought it so i'm a little older than that like i've been since i was 14 they bought it so i've been around that truck for years and it was a good truck it's still a great truck i still have it to this day and it it's it's done its job everything i could ask for a semi to do it's done it it's never knock on wood it's never left me (laughs) stranded to where i can't get home yeah it's always at least got me home and i mean I, i did that and bought a flatbed got into the flatbed market with them they were awesome i will give them this like i started out and they they helped me get established you know i was i was very fortunate in that sense that they would they gave me a place to start my company and grow and learn how to do these things and then that following year i um went to the oil field i went to h2 as the owner operator started that because one of my things was is like i need to know i can make it without the tree farm mm-hmm. because if shit does go south like yeah. i need to know that i can go other places and make money and continually you know generate income for me and my family and i did that and it was awesome <clears throat> they kept me busy and then um you know like what we were talking about the trucker convoy so covid i bought my semi in the heart of covid i mean yeah. that was when i mean i think everybody and their mom bought semis or trucks or hot shots and yeah that that those two years were both record-breaking years for new authorities pulled. I want to say 21, there was more authorities pulled that year than like the previous eight years yep. combined. Yeah, that and was it was insane. And I mean, everybody did it. And like the one thing about trucking, you know, that I've learned and you've seen it too, it's a lot like the oil field. It has the ups and downs. And right now we're in the down. Yep. There's There were so many people who went and bought semis for astronomical amounts of money because there was such a huge demand during COVID, you know, like my semi, I could have sold my semi during COVID for probably 130 grand oh, and yeah. someone would have bought it like that. Yep. And now like my semi is back down to, you know, 30, 40,000 just because the demand's not there. I mean, if you only want 30, 40,000, I'll buy it from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, <clears throat> that is, so it's, it's kind of stopping on that year right there. I mean, that that's when I started, I think we pulled, 
I mean, I started working for myself at the beginning of 2020. I was like partner slash worker with this little directional drilling guy. That shit did not work out. And then quit that in July because that's when I found out my wife was pregnant again. And then I fucked off for like two months. I just didn't really do much of anything. I was doing like side work, fixing trailers and cars for people. And then I was like, well, I need to go back to work. <laughs> so I started looking for a driving job because I was like, I've had this up and down career where I started out in the oil field as a laborer, started driving, thought I was going to drive forever. My grandpa was a truck driver. He had a couple trucks. So I was like, going to run down this rabbit hole. I left that, started operating a lot, did a bunch of operating. And the, then, the real question I have for you is, this is a big debate in the equipment operating world. Hmm. Do you run your excavator <laughs> on backhoe controls or excavator controls? Backhoe. See, I'm excavator. I hated when <laughs> I'd get into stuff at H2, dude, that would be backhoe controls, and I'd be so fucked up. I'll tell you why I learned to operate that way. It's because the first thing I ever learned to operate was a backhoe, and it was one of the John Deere with the wobble sticks. So that's just how I've always ran. Yep. Because the wobble sticks are the same. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back to what I've always loved was trucking, because the other side of that is I've had my CDL since I was 20. Uh, 21 and that's always been my foot in the door everywhere I go I've even tried to lie when I went to the pipeline company I wanted to operate so bad I didn't even tell them I had one they found out later but uh, so I was like fuck it I'm gonna go back to driving I'm gonna make that everything again well so I started looking for driving jobs either everyone's so busy they're hiring they don't even have empty trucks or it's so busy everyone's hiring they're not paying shit I was looking at jobs um, 20 bucks an hour and 21. And I'm like, nah, like I called one guy. He's like, yeah, I could put you in a side dump today or Monday. And this is like a Thursday. So he's like, after the weekend, you can start on Monday. I was like, all right, cool. What's the job? And he's like, or what's it pay? He's like, oh, I'll start you out at 20. If it goes great, bump you up in 30 days. I was like, I need to start at 25 and then you can bump me up in 30 days. And he was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I can't. I can't do this these days. You know, there, there's also this age gap on what people think they're worth and what they're actually yep. worth and what companies want to pay. But like I noticed older company owners pay a lot less because just how society has changed. You know, you used to work somewhere for 25 years, get the Rolex and retire and do that thing. We don't do that anymore. So I'm like, dude, my target is 30 bucks an hour. I'm willing to prove myself to get there. But if you're telling me I'm going to be capped at 26 after a few years, not interested. So then I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll just work for myself. Everyone's doing this hot shot thing. I got a pickup. I just need a trailer. And I uh, so I took the wife's credit card and went and bought a gooseneck. <laughs> and so that's, that's how I started. And I think a lot of people had a similar story. And my, and my journey, <clears throat> that was that starting point was kind of the shit show, you know. I, pulled, I accidentally pulled an authority to be a moving company. <laughs> like I didn't know shit. No, like, and, and was, the, their website's confusing oh, as shit, and dude. Like, have you noticed? It seems like every trucking website, like, not trucking website, but like, if you use fuel cards and you do your IFTA reporting and your apportion fees and the FMCSA website and all these websites, they were built built in like 1990 and they're still the same. Yep, they haven't they haven't updated yeah. anything. Like my uh, same with some of the. So I just started taking credit cards. So I got a whole credit card processing shit i had to set up 
the the website for the credit card deal is like it looks like a excel spreadsheet from 95 <laughs> i'm like what is this shit like <laughs> chucking i th- the first year i don't know how many times we were asked to fax and we're like don't do that I'll scan it and email shit to you, but we don't fax. What the fuck are you talking about? Right? Yeah, like living and going back to 1995, dude, when the yeah. computer was like just getting big. Like, oh, fax it to me. Yeah, they're what? like, I, it got so bad. I had one company, and I was already already had their load on my trailer, and they needed proof, but they wouldn't take a scan. They wouldn't take a picture. They needed a proof of delivery. They would only accept a fax. <laughs> and I'm like, so I had to get. I found an app that you can scan it into the app on your phone and then it sends it as a fax from your app. So I had to pay like $49 to use this stupid app one time just to get paid on the load. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, that, that kind of gets us to the beginning, I guess. So th- that's pretty neat. So it sounds like you actually got a pretty good deal on the truck and you had the cash to buy it. So yep. that, that deters one. Cause I was curious if you did financing on the truck and how that worked out. No, I, I, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that aspect. I was able to save money and, you know, make good decisions when I was young with stuff like that. And, oh, and I start, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I fucked that window up. Bro. It's, <laughs> but you know, like the struggle was different for me because when I started, like I didn't have, I would spend all my cash on equipment. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, having to, to be able to operate you'd get, you'd get cash strapped, you know, like oh, trying yeah. to get going and insurance for semis is, and even for you is probably astronomical. I was paying the same you were. Yeah. For a pickup and a gooseneck, you're mm-hmm. paying, you know, 1600 bucks a month. And for the first two years, no one tells you this. You're stuck with progressive. Yep. And they are the most, they rip you off so bad. I mean, I was on a podcast before and I'll be the first one to say it again. Like insurance, I think is the biggest fucking scam in the world. Oh yeah, especially like, the commercial. Yeah, commercial I mean, the, insurance. I have my stupid. problems with personal insurance, period. But the, yeah, the the commercial, like I've I've gone through the insurance realms a few times, like uh, on previous episodes on this podcast. Like I've talked about how I'm not a big believer on health insurance. Nobody in my family has health insurance right now. Um, there's pros and cons to it, and it's kind of how you approach situations decides whether it's for you or for it's not. And the auto insurance side gets even worse because I feel like they, they need to be treated more like bonds. Once you pay a certain amount, you shouldn't really have to pay anymore except for like a maintenance fee. But yep, you never do. Exactly. Like I've paid on insurance on my pickup for since I bought it in 2014. So if I ever total it, I've already paid way more in insurance than the truck's worth. And I know you're, you're paying... So, like, if you're paying full coverage, I f- feel like your full coverage should automatically default to liability once you've paid the value of your truck, maybe plus a percentage because yep. they got to make money. I understand business. So, it's like if you have a $50,000 truck you've been insuring for 10 fucking years for full coverage, you've probably paid two hundred grand in bills for insurance. Yep. Once you hit maybe seventy five grand, They prorate it. Hey, yeah. You, you, we're, we're kicking you off this. Like, your truck- You're is, still full covered, but you're you're maxed out on the-, the Instead of a $50,000 note, you're going to get paid. Yeah. We're going to give you 20 grand. Like, I, 100%, I agree. Like, that's what it should be. And, like, you know, like, in, in November, like, this was a huge um, eye-opening experience for me. Is not a lot of people know this. Like, a couple of my friends do, but um, coming up on November 22nd, I was going back and forth to South Dakota. Had a sweet contract. Um, five days a week, you know, 
it was it was over 150 loads i mean huge huge profit margins on this and i was doing it in a day and <laughs> old truck e-logs e no exist with my truck right and um so november 22nd i go drop my load i blew a tire that day or yeah it was that day i blew a drive tire i'm in the middle of shadron nebraska or, um i was in I'm going to butcher the name on this because I don't know how to say it in South Dakota, like Oleki or something like that, going up that way. Uh, I, I, and I'm, I, I don't know the name, so sorry, people. I don't, I can't they say got it. All, they got all, like those Native American. Oh, dude, it was, it's confusing. Yeah. And um, so I blow a tire, dude. I, I just bought brand new Hodge built low rider quarter fenders, like just put them mm. on. Well, that night, I'd got my tires put on and I'm downstairs hanging out with my family. You know, we're playing the Wii. You know, for the, the new generation, don't know what that is. You guys need to look what a Wii is or badass. I still have one, I think. Right? Yeah, dude. I've been playing Super Mario Party on it with my kids. I always played the fucking... We just play the home run. Oh, the Wii... Yeah, the Wii Sports, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. I, actually, I think that's what we were playing. Is tennis. Wii Sports. I we used were, to fucking annihilate my wife in tennis. <laughs> we were. We were. That's what we were <laughs> yeah. playing. We were playing baseball. I was playing baseball with my oldest daughter. And we're in our basement. And all of a sudden, dude, you just hear... <laughs> like something hit. And my wife hears it. And I, I heard it, and I really was just kind of like, oh, like, you know, we have a bunch of potholes in our street yeah. in Wiggins. Like, we're in Wiggins, 90% of our streets are still dirt, like, not paved. Yeah. Like, and uh, so I'm like, oh, someone just went over the pothole too fast. And we have the ring cameras, and she gets on it. And she's like, you need to go upstairs. And so, like, I'm kind of like, why? She's like, you just need to go outside. Open my front door, and, um, first thing out of my mouth is I just yell it. I'm sure all my neighbors heard me. I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> and um, yeah. my semi was the, the only time I'd ever parked my semi where I parked it because my neighbors had their mailboxes on my property line. And I had gotten notices from the post office, uh, notices from the cops. Like, hey, you know, you're too close. They, they, yeah. they would always be like, you're too close to the stop sign. Yeah. But truth be told, like the city's stop sign is it inside my property. <laughs> So like, yeah. it's like, um, so I'm like, I'm really not. Your guys' stop sign is impeding my property. Yeah. And, um, so I park it there. It gets smoked, dude, Ooh. by a Pontiac G6. Like I'll, I have a video of like, the hit, dude. And, um, it caused, it caused $45,000 worth of damage. And I, I had only insured my truck for 60. So like in my head, I'm like, Oh, they're going to total it. It's totaled. Like uh, I can't even replace it. Cause this is still one truck. So, you know, they're, they're, oh, yeah. they're coming down, but yeah, you're not buying that truck for that. No. And like, it, I mean, it's got a, like, you know, like a lot of people, they don't know, like it has a Caterpillar motor like that in itself. It makes that truck worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Well, while we watch that, let's take a break real quick. All right. I had to pee. Sorry. Oh, you're good. <laughs> so you saw the video. Yeah. Like, I mean, sitting there parked smoked yeah um so to kind of funnel it back to what we were talking about insurance it is it was one of the biggest pains in the ass i've ever had to deal with like even to this day like i i hate it um the truck gets hit i you know right away call my insurance who i had which was great west casualty and they from what I had heard before I had went with them after I'd got away from progressive is, you know, they're awesome. They're really easy to work with when something like this happens. No, no, it is. It's, it's a huge pain in the ass. Like I'm not at fault. I'm nothing. Yeah. This, um, I'm still in, 
it's still a court case. Like it's supposed to be done next month. I'm going to court to hopefully close it out, but it's been, we're coming up on a year. So was that guy uninsured or that guy? So the, uh, to, uh, to back up a little bit, um, it was his girlfriend's mom's car. This fucking kid didn't have his license. It's oh, revoked. Geez. He had just lost it six days before this accident. Oh man. Drives it. Um, so, so, I mean, like I said, I'll send you the clip so you can use it and show yeah. people so they can be like, what the fuck? Um, smokes my semi, sideswipes it. I mean, just annihilates my hood. And I'm sitting there, like, after this happens, like, trying to come back. Like, dude, I, I was I was crying because I was so fucking pissed. Oh, yeah. Well, because we all know the stories. I mean, for you, for those of you that aren't trucking or not, or maybe you are, but you don't even know the owner-op life at all, it is very... I mean, I'm sure you said you'll talk about it, but like the insurance game is so expensive. It's one of our biggest costs and insurance companies are notorious for the second you make a claim, they drop you or they double your rate and, or they'll deny claims. Um, I quit hauling tarp loads with progressive because progressive covers dampness, but not water damage. And the other problem is everybody thinks tarp means waterproof, which doesn't. So it got to the point where it's like, I would turn down loads and this is maybe smart, maybe dumb. Other guys would take these loads, but I'd see people like wanting to ship a CNC machine on a flatbed gooseneck or a hotshot or even a semi as a partial, whatever they're trying to listen, move it as. And they just want it tarped. And I'm like, that's a quarter million dollar machine that is not designed to get any type of moisture on the outside of those electronic controls. I'm not going to risk tarping it. No. And, and then like you said, the insurance game, I've heard the horror stories like with wood, Oh, it's not damp. It's water damage. We don't cover that. Yep. Or, or maybe I might say, I might be saying that backwards. Maybe they cover water damage, but not dampness. Yep. Either way they they play that game where it's like, Oh, it's not water damage. It's just damp. We don't cover that. And I had, I've had a truck get hit too. Not as bad as yours. Mine's probably like $3,000 worth of damage, but I've just left it. Um, mainly because body shops are still stupid busy right and, and now honestly i've got other issues where it's like that's not even priority to fix that little fender but um they're also they're notorious for like you make one little ding it's not your fault ours was a hit and run at a truck stop if i were to claim that progressive would have easily doubled my rate right then on the spot oh yeah and and i've heard guys have that issue that they make a claim the claim's great. Everything goes through. They're like, oh, you know, I mean, progressive expensive, but it's not that bad. Then they get the renewal, and they're like, what the fuck happened? It's like, that's what happened. Yep, and like in the in the two years before this happened, I had had a claim at all. Like, yeah. perfect, like, you know, perfect federal motor carrier score, everything. I get this, and like I said, so that was November, um, February 8th. I get a piece of mail from Great West Casualty saying, hey, we are no longer, you're uninsurable. We will take care of your claim, but we are dropping you due to this claim. Yeah. And how many, did they even give you like a 14 day? They gave me a 14 day. So it expired February 22nd. Yeah. It so expired. The, so for, again, for those of you that don't know, getting commercial insurance is not as quick as your car insurance either. I've seen a lot of those stories too, where guys get these notices that they're getting dropped by progressive or great West or, um, a lot of guys were using three insurance for a while. They'd get these notices that they were getting dropped 14 days from when the letter was typed, took four days to get to them. You have 10 days to you fix it. You have 10 it. days. And these quote processes generally are 
three to four day processes to get quoted, get set up, do all that shit. And, uh, it, it can be a nightmare. And on top of that, when you move companies, some companies want 5% down, some want zero down, some want half down. Or you have to finance it. Yep. Like, um, I'm back with them now and they, they actually made me finance my claim. Per, like I said, perfect payment rec- yeah. record, everything. I had to finance it because they're worried that, that for some reason it, it wasn't my fault. Like I'm not at fault for this accident. But they're worried that I'm going to be paying somebody like, hey, come hit my truck again mm-hmm. because, you know, I can get downtime and stuff, which downtime, that's another thing too. Um, for the people who don't understand, <clears throat> I got paid 45 bucks a day yeah. from the time my truck <laughs> got, so um, November 22nd, I take it in the 23rd to get worked on and the people I worked on, like huge shout out to them. Eaton Bait and Body in Eaton, Colorado. They worked on my truck, dude. Those guys are... They're top-notch. They're interesting because I hear either the greatest things about them or the worst. Well, There's no in-between. There's no like, oh, they could have done better. It's either like, dude, they did the best shit. They're so great. Or there's, these fucking guys didn't do anything right. Right. And, 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 I, and I, I'm on the side of like, they treated me really well. I will say I've heard more of that than yeah, the other. But yeah. I have, I've heard a couple of horror stories. But then again, you know, everybody knows. Everyone's got their side of a story. It, it's, like, it's like what we were talking about before we started. You know, the the social media is really yeah. brought up to where like before, the only reason you got an opinion was talking to your buddy. Right. Now, like, you know, people are like, oh, fuck that place. I don't like it. And then it's all over the internet. Yeah. Like rabbit hole will go down later, hopefully. But. Um, they were awesome. So the twenty third, it goes there. I get a quote from them. So that was like, a, I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday is when my truck got hit. So I get a quote from them like the following Wednesday. So a week, you know, kind of a quick, a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Forty five thousand dollars worth of damage. Um, my truck, well, the way he hit it and shifted everything, everything on my truck. So if you're sitting in the driver's seat, it shifted everything to the so the front of the hood went forward, and the back of it came into the cowl. Well, Great West gets it. They send out a, a claim adjuster because they don't think there's that much damage to it. That yeah. a, a Pontiac G6 could cause, you know, twenty or $45,000 worth of damage. Mm-hmm. And the uh, claim adjuster goes out, and it, this is one of those blizzards we had out here. So I, I'm stuck in Wigan, so I can't go there and be like, this isn't previous damage. This is new. Yeah. Like, I think this dude had it planned, like, to where he knew roads were going to be closed. Mm. And... So he calls me and is like, well, where the hood shifted back into your cow, that's previous damage. And I'm like, how do you figure? So I start arguing with this adjuster. And he's like, well, you can see where it rubbed. And I said, you realize I drove my semi 70 miles because I was instructed by the company you're representing that they didn't want to tow it? Yeah. And he's like, well, they said it was drivable. And I was like, yeah, it was drivable. I drove it there, but I asked for a tow. And you guys didn't want to cover the toe. Yeah. Like you wanted me to cover it. So I drove it. And so, I mean, arguing back and forth. Um, so they, they get the quote. My insurance company, they waited until after I'd gotten the cancellation notice. Mm-hmm. I get an email from the lady. Hey, we've approved your truck for, I think it was $25,000 repair, mm-hmm. which, and, and they got it. They, it the truck looked, the hood, I have a whole brand new hood on my truck. It looks awesome. Yeah. They did a really good job. And, um, 
so I had to pay out of pocket though because the paint I had on it was you know from 2003 when they Warner repainted it white instead of the blue and they called me like hey we can try our best to blend this to that other fender but you're always going to tell that this one they're different colors so like what do you want to do and I'm like how much is a fender and he's like 1500 bucks painted installed like I'll do it and I was like okay and when he hit my hood, they wanted him to spot weld some spots on it because it actually ripped it apart yeah. where it curves on my hood. Mm-hmm. And they wanted him to just spot weld uh-huh. it and, you know, just take the, che- the cheap way out. Yeah. That's, that's what that's what insurances are for. You, yeah. you spend an astronomical amount of money on this shit. But when it comes to getting it fixed and being fixed right, the insurance is going to take shortcuts because, yeah, you've spent what I what I had spent in my truck, you know, for this hood – I've paid that in, you know, the three years, the two years in this, I'd paid yeah. it two times, three times over yep. in there, you know, so they do that. And the guy calls me, he's like, dude, I'll re I'll do a whole new hood on your truck and I'll make you a fucking smoking deal on it. So, you know, I'm sitting there like contemplating it for a couple of days. He's like, just let me know, like whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll make it right with you. And I'm like, Hey dude, just skin it. Like put a new hood on it. So he puts a new hood on it. Um, and I, it gets it gets all assembled. I go up and look at it, you know, my final assembly. And I'm like, sweet, looks good. Like, let's throw the hood on. Let's go. And, you know, so they do it. They get it ready to go. They go get it aligned because it needed a three-axle alignment on it. Yeah. Well, it goes to get aligned, and they're like, it needs kingpins. So I'm like, okay, so here's another issue. Like, And I understand, like, what a lot of people are going to say when I say this. It's a wearable part. I understand that kingpins go bad, just like you know your upper control arms, your ball joints. Like it, it happens, mm-hmm. but those were fine before my truck got hit. And so I called the insurance company. I'm like, hey, I need kingpins. I need you to give me a supplement for that because I have to put them in to get it aligned to finish your end of the deal. You know, well, Mister Lira, that's a that's a wearable you know part. We don't cover that. And I'm like, I can assure you, this wasn't like that before this. Yeah. And so, I mean, back and forth for like three weeks. And finally, you know, I'm like, I, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, dude, I've been down for six months already. Like, mm-hmm. I can't do this. And so I pay for it, get it all done, and get it aligned. And, you know, I'm so ecstatic to get my truck. I see it. My wife goes with me. We're so happy to see it. It, it looks like a new truck. Like, I got new fender colors on it. And um, I'm so excited when I pick it up, dude. I didn't even realize my steering wheel. My steering wheel, instead of, you know, like the Peterbilts, they have the the bars that come across yeah and they were left to right you know um my steering wheel is directly in front of me so like the bottom of my steering wheel where that bar is is pointing towards my crotch (laughs) it's a 90 out (laughs) yeah so i'm like like i didn't even realize until i like i got like 10 miles from where i picked the truck up and i'm like oh shit what the fuck like what the fuck is going on (laughs) and then i try turning you know like in my they the steering box was brand new like i got all that new drag links everything was new suspensions all new in it and i go to turn left dude and it's literally like a quarter of a turn and i'm maxed out so like literally it was like i needed a 40 acre field to turn a bobtail (laughs) semi around so i I call i call eaton you know when i get home like hey this is what i noticed like um you know tell him what's going on he's hey bring it back up like i'll make it right with you like i don't i don't know why we would send a truck out like that and they did they made it right they fixed it they got it to where it turns and um so you know here i am like I'm pinching pennies throughout this time. Oh, so yeah. I 
I, I let my insurance lapse, you know, like I, I, I when it canceled, it canceled. And I, I waited like 30 days because I was like, man, I don't know. And then I, I put it back on. But what sucked was, is like during that time, like I have a two-year-old active authority, but I put insurance on it again, dude. And you know, like as soon as you file a DOT number, brokers, dispatch, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody in there, and they're, they're, they're never anyone from the United it's States. It's so bad and so scammy. The government themselves warns you what's about to happen as soon as you get your authority. Yep. I got the email when mine activated. Because when you first pull it, you have to, you know, you do the apply, and then it's like 30, 40, 60. I think they can take up to 90 days to get it to active. And that's that's like another thing people don't talk about it is that 30, 60, 90 days, that's from the time you put insurance on it. That's not from when you, you know, you apply for it. The full process can take months. Yeah. See, luckily, when I did mine, they were still moving pretty quick. So I got... Because you, you have to do the application, you have to have insurance, then they approve it or don't. Yeah, because they send it to, what is that? That form is a BOC3, a BOC3. Mm-hmm. So this form, our insurances do it, but they send it to like a central database where there's lawyers, yeah. from what they, I understood. They called me and said, your authority is active, you'll be getting a certified mail, blah, blah, blah. And just so you know, your phone will about to start ringing nonstop for the next probably two weeks. Yep. And they're not full of shit. And these people, like, they, they it's funny because I get calls all the time too and it's always, you know, people from the Middle East, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not going to say what they are because I don't know, but. It's a double negative too. Yeah. Because I have the issue, so as a business owner, you always have people calling you you don't know. And you answer it because yeah. you're like, oh, this number's... Like, I, I've gotten to the point where I don't answer it anymore and I'm like, maybe that was a customer from Texas. And you feel not bad, a yeah. So you're like, shit, should I call it back? So like, um, you know, you like, I get all these calls, even to this day, like, and they're always like, congratulations on your authority. And I'm like, mm-hmm. did you look at it? Mm-hmm. Well, it just says you, you're you're new. And I'm like, that authority is from 2020. Like, it's three years old. Like, <laughs> so you had to go through that twice. Yes. <laughs> that sucks. It fucking sucked, dude. <laughs> dude, that is... Uh, so on the trucking thing, so that is that whole authority process and the insurance process. And then when you have issues like yours, that it, it gets me on a tangent with like just the whole trucking industry for one, like these scammers in these calls, like it, how come we can get a no call list for normal people, but not for business owners? Well, it's, it's stupid. And the other thing I bet on one of them the other day. An email one, actually, not a phone call. I still don't answer the fucking phone. If you call me and you're a customer, I'm really sorry. Just leave a voicemail, and I will call you back if you need something. Um, anyway, so I get emails, or actually, he called me, and he was, like, talking, talking, and I was in the middle of doing something, and I just, I was like, email me, and he goes, okay, and hangs up. So, gets my email from wherever. I mean, you can search my company. The, the company Snapchat. Yeah. That, that, that's the well, biggest yeah. downfall. Well, dude. and the worst thing I hate is... Yeah, I could probably do it with yours, but you can Google my company name. The first thing comes up is my email and my phone number. Yep. It's like the second listing on Google. Um, so I say email me. So he emails me. I just like, I was bored. I was slow looking for a load. Couldn't find anything. I was like, he's a dispatcher. <coughs> and I'm like, what do you got? And he goes, oh, I got loads. I was like, oh, I have an empty hot shot in Colorado. Uh, can carry this much weight. What do you got? He hits me back with a, what was it? I want to say it was $1,500 run to Oklahoma city. And by today's standards, that's a fucking stupid good rate out of Colorado, especially yeah, out of Denver, Denver, yeah. Denver to Oklahoma city, $1,500. And he says, there's room on it if you need more. And I'm like, dude, 
I can't get people to pay me $1,500 to run Oklahoma City anymore at all. Like, everybody's floating around at a buck a mile right now, and that's only a 600-mile run. Yep. 650-mile run, whatever it is. And I'm just like, where where are you find Like, I, I didn't ask him. I just said, okay, I'll keep you in mind next time I'm empty and looking for work. And I just blew him off. But I was just like, where are they finding these loads? Like, that's the first load he hit me with. And I'm like, I mean, if, if someone called me on their own and said, I'll give you 1500 bucks to run Oklahoma City on a Thursday afternoon, I'd probably take it. Yep. And I'm just like, what is going on? So I know a lot of truckers complain about the dispatcher thing and how it's quote-unquote illegal brokering. or The double brokering is the big thing right now. Double brokering's always been a big fucking scam. And honestly, I don't care about double brokering. I, I care about it in the sense that I believe it's slimy and it's stupid. Yep. But I also... I guess we can go on this tangent. So this goes back to that trucker convoy. And them fucking truckers basically just trying to be cool like Canada. Canada's was respectable and admirable by far. And then Colorado's like, well, we're going to do it. Or Colorado, sorry. America's like, we're going to do it now. California to D.C. Let's do it. And I joined the group because my company got invited and you know, a bunch of people did. I joined the Facebook group and I'm just listening to the guy who's heading it up. He's doing these live videos. And I'm just like, he, they're basically their plan was to go to D.C., and figure out how to stop double brokering, which you're not, and to make a law that puts a percentage cap on what brokers can make on a load. Yeah, because during COVID, I, I remember reading this article, they were making like 60 to 80%, right? I mean, it was a there stupid was some, amount. There was like, some. I, mean, I was running in, like, there's a couple of brokers I've worked with here in Colorado that are at least upfront and honest. They're like, I take 15%. And I'm like, well, I really feel like you should only be taking like 10 or eight, but you're honest, you're honest. Yep. Um, a big brokerage everybody probably knows is like King of Freight. They're notorious for taking at least half the load. Yep. I've, I've hauled, and it's like tooth and nail trying to get 50 bucks out of them or an hour of retention time. Even if they're the ones who lie to you and tell you the shipper's open when they're not. Um, bunch of shit show. But what I hated about that convoy, and this is what I was telling you earlier before we started where I could really rip on this. I'm listening to this guy and I comment and it gets a bunch of heat from a bunch of other people. Cause I'm like, you guys are fucking stupid. Your idea is to go down there and tell the government. The last thing the trucking industry needs is any more government involvement for one. Exactly. But you're going to go down there and you're going to demand they put a percentage cap on brokers. Well, what's going to stop brokers from going down there and demanding you put a percentage cap on truckers. Like if you're going to tell a broker by law, you can't take more than 10%. What, how much longer until they teach tell truckers by law you can't charge more than two bucks a mile like this is a stupid idea this is why i hate people who can't argue they can't have a long thought like they're just stupid they're just going to for the sake of crying yep. and whining and i was just like you guys should be going down there with legit things that are changeable and i can give you a handful of them um hours of service i'm not just saying elds i'm saying the hours of service need to go they proved the point during covid for a lot of you guys that don't drive during COVID, you could haul a box, a semi load of cereal one day. The COVID exemption was you could drive as much as you wanted, but then you had to take your 10 off. So you could drive 10 hours and then take 10. You could drive 15 and take 10. You could drive from California to New York straight through. And, and when then you drop it, you take your 10. Then like you there, take was, 10. there was, there was nothing. And there was a Congressman who called out the head of the department of transportation, that Pete Buttigieg judge guy. He did call him out on it. There's a good video about it where he's like, so if you're hauling toilet paper one day, you can drive as much as you want, but if you're hauling paper the next day, you can't. 
what makes it safe? Is it the commodity or the driver? And he's like, well, obviously the driver. And he goes, so I, I vacate that we should permanentize, make it permanent, these rules in effect for all truckers. Cause yep. it's the driver that makes the safe decisions, not the freight. And they just said, they'll look into it, blah, blah, blah. But this is like I was saying, they need to go down there. Like the hours of service need to go. My other problems with hours of service is I am one of those drivers. I can usually probably pull an 18 hour day. I can sleep four or five hours and probably pull another 12 hour day. Can I do that every day of my life? Probably not. But a hard long week, no problem. Take the weekend off, catch up on some sleep. I'm good. I also know my limits. I'll drive till I'm tired and I'll park. Um, the other issue I have is why is it that they're, they're telling me I'm only, they're telling me what I'm physically capable of for one. I don't like that. Like I'm only physically capable of driving 11 hours a day. Why are you telling me that that guy who's 495 pounds, smokes six packs of cigarettes a day and eats 15 big Carl's for lunch and walks around with the oxygen tank at the truck stop. He's also good for 11 hours a day. Oh, well, his DOT physical is only good for 90 days at a time. I don't give a fuck what his DOT physical is good for. I just care on a day-to-day basis. How are you saying I'm just as physically capable as that slop? No, exactly. And, like, you're right. Like, what, blank, like it, it, it's such a broad spectrum right now on everything they do. Like, it's, it's you know, 11 hours for both of us. We know that. Yeah. Um, unless the government needs it, unless the go, unless it's a, you know COVID times, like you said, it's COVID. Oh, we had a hurricane. We, There's some flooding. Drive yeah. your ass off. Oh shit, we need <laughs> we need toilet paper in every state because people you know panic bought everything. Yeah. I mean, dude, I remember going to Sam's Club up until like 2021, and yeah. you still could barely it, it find toilet Monday, paper, yeah. dude. It wasn't that bad for me because I'm one of those guys who switched to dude wipes a long time ago, <laughs> so I hardly ever use toilet paper. But you know, like like you said, like. During those times, it was, they didn't give a shit about anything. Well, and that was my point when they did the convoy and I was arguing with these guys in in the convoy because I made a special group just for it. And I'm arguing with these guys like, please don't waste our support and your fucking energy to go down there and say dumb shit. Like we want a law that tells brokers how much money they're allowed to make. Because that's just asking for them to put a law on everyone else. Like, oh, exactly. The, like we have internal mechanisms as truckers to fight brokerages. Like you can ask the broker has to tell you what they paid. I said, if you want to do anything, the only law that maybe you should make with brokered loads, because here's the problem. If you ask a broker, I want to see the rate. They have to show you by law. There is a law that says they have to show you what they got paid. There's nothing stopping them from never using you again. Yep. I was like, so that puts a fear in a lot of people to not they don't want to ask that question because they, for one, they know they're going to get pissed when they find out they just got 40% of the load or 50% of the load. And there was plenty of money on the table. And next time they need a load and they're desperate, they're going to say, sorry, you're on our blacklist. We don't use you. Exactly. I was like, the only thing they should make is just a legal definition of a rate con. Should it just include that price? So then it's, it's just completely opaque on everybody's end. I was like, my other problem with all these people that get so hung up on brokers and double brokering, at the end of the day, who signs the rate con? The driver, the owner-operator. Exactly. So that's why, like, I don't take, when people start getting on that tangent of broker percentage, double brokering, and all that stuff, I don't take the argument too serious. Is it stupid? Is it annoying? Is it shitty? Absolutely. I get pissed when I find out I, 
I took a load for a thousand bucks and it took us 20 minutes of negotiating to get from 900 to a thousand. I drop it off and the customer, even though they're not supposed to, spills the beans and says, Oh, I paid 1800 bucks to have this oh, delivered. And I'm I've like, motherfucker. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've had it a bunch of times. And like you said, like you fight these brokers tooth to nail for 50, a hundred bucks. Like then mm-hmm. they, they make, they'll, they'll get to the point to where they'll start being like, man, you're, you're really hitting, you know, me now it's coming out of my company. Yeah, I'm going to have to pay. Yeah, and I'm not going to get a commission on this. And, one. and you see it, like you said, you see where you, you get a load for a thousand bucks and then, you know, like, like I said, there's there, you're, they're not, you're not supposed to know what they paid the broker. They put these nonchalant. I tell people all the time, contract, everyone thinks contracts like put a nail in it and it's done. Like, if you look at most rate cons or most carrier packet setups, it'll also tell you no back soliciting. Yep. Yeah. How does an owner op get a customer without ever back soliciting? <laughs> they see your truck pull in like exactly. You know what I mean? Your truck pulls in with your name, your company. Well, my, my question is, is it back soliciting when they ask me for a business card? Yeah. Or am I just being a friendly guy? Like, I've oh. already, I've already delivered. I no longer work for you. I'm not really back soliciting. So it's like they put these things in contracts. They're just stupid. And that's why I was saying, don't go there and ask for laws on profit margins because that's what you're doing. And if you're asking for a law on a profit margin, it's not going to be longer before that law gets put onto you in some form. It's like, you should go down there. If you want to, f- you wanted a law that might do this. I mean, my solution is don't haul for shitty brokers, but no, I was just like, don't go down there and waste your, your time about, Oh, we want laws on profit margins. That's stupid. That's don't let the, no, if you want to do anything, just have them change the legal definition of a rate con to, it has to include, cause a rate con has to include certain things already. Yep. Just add that to it and say, it needs to include the rate that's being paid to the brokerage and the rate that's being paid to the carrier. Can, nobody can lie and nobody can complain. And, and like, you know, like I'm, I want to be told the truth from the get go. Like oh, just yeah. be transparent. Like that's as a small business no owner. Pr- yeah. You, you want people just to be like, Hey man, you know, I, I bid it for this. I'm paying this. Oh, yeah. there's no, there's no issue. I'm not going to balk at it. Like I'm going to tell you that you're full of shit for not wanting to pay me a couple hundred bucks when you're making, I'm famous for telling brokers, you need to go tell your shippers to pay more than yep. if you're being honest about it, you need to go tell, talk to your shipper because we cannot move it. Like I've seen loads at 60 cents a mile and I'm like, my, I'm in a pickup and my fuel cost is 57 cents a mile most of the time. Yeah. And, and, and that was $2 a gallon ago. <laughs> no. And like, that's the, you know, like right now, like people don't realize a lot of these trucks that are moving right now, they're moving just to fucking pay, pay their bottom line. Like they're, they're the profit margins right now with rates are so low. It's not even funny. They're doing a lot of, and I'm guilty of it too. A lot of companies that are taking these horrible rates. And when I've taken horrible rates or I've been on a down month, you end up taking cash flow to finance your debt because you can't just pay yourself and make nothing. But if you can go make 20% less, that means you're only, you only used your credit card and now you're, 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 you're just trying to make enough money to make your credit card payment, not actually pay your credit card yep. off. That's basically what a lot of companies, that's what Amazon did. Amazon's the most famous example of a company who ran at a loss for so long until the competition went away. I mean, they were, they were a not profitable company for years, but they ended up pushing everyone out and now look at them. Yep. And that's what trucking companies do. And that's, but before we move on back to the convoy though that was what i was pissed about i was like shut the fuck up with this shit you want to go down there okay ask them to look into making legal mandates for a rate con don't ask them about controlling anybody's profit another thing hours of service they need to go they really do and if you're gonna keep them they, they should be attached to your safety rating and attached to your record because 
if I can drive for 10 fucking years and never have an accident, why can't I drive that extra two hours a day? You know, like why give us a perk to being safe drivers? Cause right now there's no perk to being a safe driver. No. And like, you know, a big thing that happened in Colorado a couple years ago that, and this is what a lot of people don't realize getting your CDL right now up until when was that accident? 2019, 2020, where that guy went down the mountain. Oh yeah. I was like, I think it was right before COVID. Yeah, right before COVID. You know, like, there's schools you have to go to, you know, classes. A 40-hour, 80-hour class you have to spend an astronomical amount of money for. Halliburton paid for mine. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> you the, they want these guys who are starting out and wanting to do this, you know, and companies are still offering it, thank God, but they make you sign a two-, three-year contract. To, you have to drive for them, and if you don't fit, fulfill the contract. You have to pay you, this you, on, you pay on a godly amount. Yeah. yeah. There, there needs to be rules on that too because the flip side is I feel bad for some of those guys because so when you get into that schooling when I went to CDL school back in 2012 2013 maybe only a couple years after high school um, so I went and I already knew how to I knew how to drive I took one day at the instructor he's like well I don't know why you're here I was like well because Halliburton said I had to be he's like okay so I just I literally played games on the simulator for a week and then took my drive test and that was that. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, some people need the training. Don't get me wrong. They did a good job at the people who needed to teach, but I've already been driving trucks, been driving pickups and trailers my whole life. Semis are nothing for me. I've driven semis. I was driving them with my permit. So it was like, when I actually went to the school, he was like, dude, you're, you're good. I'm not even worried about you. Go, go play on the simulator. Yeah. Uh, so, but they do the other teaching. But when I was there, there was a big story that came out. They found out there was a dude in like Colorado Springs. They just busted him. He was uncertified, not legal to be doing the road tests and all that stuff. And he'd issued like, or his company had issued like 1,500 CDLs in the last like, and then they were going to these drivers and saying, your CDL is no good. So these guys have been driving around five, six years, find <laughs> out they got something from an unaccredited business that wasn't allowed to even do it. And then their CDLs just poof gone. Like, what do yep. you do for that poor bastard? Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, I agree with what you said. Like there are a lot of people in this world who need the schooling to learn how to do this, Yeah, but there are exceptions to those rules. And like, I grew up around semis. You obviously did. Farm kids are great. You know, like people who have family farms, they grew up around this. We know, make a, make a stipulation to where if you can demonstrate how to control a truck and drive it, you know, because you have previous experience, you don't need the class. We're going to give you the CDL. Like it's good to go. But like you know, a double-edged sword. Then you're gonna have everybody going and working for farmers and doing you know trying to get this. Well, and to be fair, not every farmer should be driving. <laughs> There's there is a lot that you're like, ah, oh, you really shouldn't be out on the road, dude. And, uh, and you know, yeah, because now now they mandate the schooling, so a bunch of people were in a rush to get that ahead of time before the the mandate came in. The problem is, I still don't see any better schooling because some of these schools aren't great. There's a few that are okay, but. I'm more concerned with the decision-making once they're on the road. Getting through the school, kind of anybody, I did it through high school. There's no reason I should have a diploma, but I do. Right. I'm pretty sure they just didn't want to see me again. I'm the same way. Like, dude, when I went to high school, I think I only went to school like 50, 60 days out of the whole school year, and I, they were like, oh, dude, we don't want I had, this kid back. I, I was one of those kids I had work release at like 1 o'clock. I didn't even show up to school till like noon. So I went to like lunch and half a class. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, I can do the math. I can tell you right now, those credits don't add up. I'm pretty sure they just didn't want me around. Like, no. And, well, and that's a different subject. I don't, <laughs> don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but no, uh, on the trucking. So yeah, guys, you have to go to school now. You have to get these credits and the problems I see is it's not going through school. I mean, that is a problem. 
for some, but it's like, I want the decision making on the road. The convoy guys, the hours of service, they need to address that. It, need, it needs to be changed. And what I hate is I hate people say, I want to go back to paper logs. I'm like, no, because you're just asking to go back to when you could cheat. I want to go back to no regulation on it because I mean, everyone knows why you run paper logs. It's not a question. No, you, you literally, that's the, it's the only time you can really go back in time and fix stuff. Exactly. Like I'm guilty of it. Well, and that's the thing. And, and honestly, on top of the hours of service in the ELD, I think is a, uh, university of Arkansas did a 10 year study. Basically the, the conclusion of the study was for every one tired driver you took off the road, you added 10 reckless ones, Yep, 15 reckless ones because reckless driving has gone up. Speeding violations have like octupled because that's the other thing. Now they're talking about national speed limits, 68 miles an hour and for I, every truck. And I'm just like sitting here like I, a lot of us would drive slower. We'd love to lower our fuel bill. The problem is it still takes this amount of time to get from point A to point B. And I'm only allowed to drive this amount of time. Like how many times, um, I mean, you don't have to deal with it, but like with the ELDs, you guys running ELDs know, know the struggles. I've talked to other guys cause I know companies that have partial fleets where some are gliders and some aren't. And they were talking about how the guy who didn't have a glider was bitching and wanted a higher percentage than everyone else. It's like, he should get one. He doesn't get to go back in time as you would say. Yep. And he's like, well, yeah, but he's fucking around in the morning. He's not leaving as early. And I was like, hold on. It's like, here's what you don't know because you don't run an ELD. You can do the math. You have a certain amount of hours. You can drive so fast. You got to make a couple field stops. You got to do your 30 minute break, which I think is bullshit. And I was like, there are times where you sit there, you wake up in the morning, you crunch the numbers and you're like, I'm not going to get there till four. They close at three. Yep. Why should I leave at six in the morning? Why not go get my coffee and dick off and leave at eight? Because as long as I get in and I shut down by nine, I can wake up at seven and offload when they open. Cause by seven, you have your 10 off. So it's like, I was explaining to him, there's times where it does not matter with an ELD. There's like that example I just laid out. It doesn't matter nope. as long as that guy gets there before nine o'clock at night. So he can get his 10 off by seven. Why, why would he wake up at four leave with you? You want to wake up at four because you can get there at noon and that gets you home by six. Yep, exactly. And, and it's like, he doesn't have that option. So I think he should get a higher percentage. Now, I don't know the guy. I don't know your company. I mean, maybe he's a shithead and doesn't deserve it, but I know if I worked for you guys, I wouldn't work for the same percentage that the gliders get. You give me a glider, you give me more money because I'm not going to be able to make it. And he was like, oh, once I laid it out like that, he's like, oh, I never realized. I was like, you never had an ELD. So I don't expect you to know these problems. So I had to interject right here real quick. I know when I was explaining that to Lyra, I kind of fucked up and didn't lay the example out 100% correct. I meant to say, like, if, if you park it, you know, 8 o'clock at night, you take 10 hours off, you can't leave till 6. Well, you guys with those paper logs, you actually have an opportunity to go back and, you know, verify your log was correct and accurate. Well, with an ELD, you can't do that. And if it's, you know, a 10 hour drive, you have to take your full 10 off, you know, you're not going to wake up and, you know, make it by three after you take your legal 10 off. So that's kind of what I was getting at is sometimes there's no point in leaving at six. You can dick around for an hour or two, leave at eight, because either way, you're not delivering until the following morning. Um, so before everybody jumped on and fucking gave me a bunch of shit about that, I just wanted to clarify you know, that's kind of what I meant. He understood what I meant. I just wanted to put it on there for the record. No, and that's that's the thing is like my truck being older, you know, like 
yeah, we do the same thing, but I can bend rules a lot more than what you can. They are with it, I can bend rules more than, you know, I'm going to say probably 80% of the trucking market just because everyone th- is in a truck that has e-logs. The 30-minute break is a prime example one. You know how many times the 30-minute break has fucked me from being able to make a delivery or, oh. get, or get somewhere to pick up early enough to get to the next spot? Like in, in your example, bending rules, like you're still driving. Even if you're staying within your 11-hour driving window, you can sit there and go, well, I can either not pick up today, which means I can't deliver tomorrow, which means I'm not going to be home this weekend, or... I can go back in time and just say I left 30 minutes earlier and I magically took this 30 minute break around noon and I'm going to be there at three and get loaded. Yep. And, that, and, and that's, I that's can't what do it that. is. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is like, you're right. Like this convoy, it, it, it was a cool idea. It really was. It was a cool idea. They just fucked up the messaging. That's why they lost all my support. Yeah. And I was and, like, go fight the rule. Here's another rule. My most petty rule that I think is the easiest to change window tents. Oh dude. It's so, I, Get fucked. If you have window tents on your fucking state trooper car while you're writing me a ticket for window tents, get fucked. Like, that's the dumbest thing I ever fucking no, heard. It is. Like, my semi, I don't have it tinted because, like, and I have buddies. Like, everybody, every oh, semi yeah. has them tinted. Like, oh, most most of them do. But More go, probably do than don't, yeah, actually. Yeah, and, like, you go to the port, though, and that's a, that's a fine. They're going to fine you for that because per federal motor carrier. 70%, which... I think uh, I talked to a window tent guy. He goes, dude, your factory film already dims you down to like 80. So it's like, we can put a tent on it, but it's not, pro- it's going to look like a slightly dirty window at best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I see guys, there's, there's guys that I see in semis that have their front windshield completely tinted like 5%. And you're like, dude, uh, I like- seen, I seen some dude, uh, He's making fun of the, he's all, no window tent, but this fucking guy had like a 22 inch drop visor. Right. <laughs> he's yeah, all, but my window tent's illegal. <laughs> it's like, you just have this little tank slit. You can see how I was just like, motherfucker. No. And like, <laughs> I mean, they, like I said, there's such a broad spectrum on all these rules and regulations for trucking and they really do like, yes, some rules, they're great to have. They really are. Like, some. Yeah. But the window tent one, here's a prime example. You're going to tell me a window tent's illegal, but it's perfectly legal to pull your shade around the side and completely block your window. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going with. This is like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many trucks, and like, dude, I don't know how these guys do it. Like, I've tried, like, just to see how comfortable it is, and you've seen it too. Like, dudes will be driving the semi with their curtain to where you see maybe, you see a quarter of their window. And then you look at, you look in the cab when you're passing it, and their knee, like, their foot is on their dash, and it's like, yeah. You mean to tell me like you're gonna bust me for like my truck straight pipe? You're gonna bust me for being over ninety decibels because I don't have a muffler, but this dude can go down the fucking highway driving <laughs> like that and no, nothing. Well, gets he's said. got an automatic, yeah. sir, so it's okay, I, I, dude. I it, it, it's dumb. Like it's so stupid. No, and that's that's why I hated the convoy. Or I grew to hate it because I realized they were going down there to they wanted. Uh, government funding for this government regulation on profit margins. They wanted, um, some shit with the ports and a bunch of union shit, Google gobble along with it. And I was like, this is stupid. Why, why can't, why we should fight fights. We can fight. There is a massive amount of evidence that's been piling up against the problems with ELDs. That's just ELDs. There's always going to be the paper log book, but I go one step further and I'm like, the hours of service should be garbage. You shouldn't get regulated unless you have an issue, right? Like, like up until like five, six years ago when these ELDs got really big, how many semis did you see on on-ra- off-ramps, on-ramps sleeping? Like really? Not that many. How many do you see now? Um, a mass amount. And that was the other thing I would point it out to the convoy. This is a perfect time because they just released a stat that said to every one 
parking spot in this country, there are 33 trucks. I was like, that's the problem. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's your way in to get them to start talking because unless they're going to spend billions on building you more parking, which they're not, they're closing rest stops. They're doing that ass backwards because they can't afford to maintain them. Which I don't even understand. It's like, okay, close the facility, leave the parking. I don't, yeah, like, that That seems dumb to me. A lot of people carry a bucket to shit in. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, I, I, it's the truth. Like I, when I drive and I leave, I leave pretty early to do what I do. And when I leave though, 90% of the company drivers who have these ELDs, who have this stuff, the reason they're on the road at, you know, three, four in the morning is because they already know I need to be done by noon, one o'clock so I can get a parking spot and have my exactly. 10 off. Exactly. Anytime, I can tell you from being over the road, like there was in Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. Is that where Charlotte is? Or is yep. it South Carolina? Uh, North Carolina. North. Whatever. I was in Charlotte. 7.30 at night, I'm like, I better get parked. I'm not going to be able to make the shipper. Obviously, they don't open until 8. I need to find parking. Um, No parking here. No parking here. No parking here. I hit one pilot that had... They had literally, so you get off the highway, you would turn right, and there's a big truck stop. Like, if you were coming into Hudson, like the Pepper Pod, like yeah. that whole area would have been the pilot. And then the trucks, it was so full and so packed, there's two city streets on, like, if you were looking at the front of the truck stop on the left side, they just started parking in the fucking street, blocked the whole street off three deep they'd one on each shoulder and they started lining them up down the center of the street just blocked the entire street off yeah and, the, and i was like i seen one guy i was like you're just gonna park there dude or what because i stopped and i was standing outside my truck and i was like just on the phone looking for more truck stops to go check out and then he pulled in and he parked and i seen i heard the brakes go off he turned the truck off and he came up and he was trying to ask me you know how great hot shotting is and i was telling him it's not but anyway i was like you're just parking there he goes why not everyone else is what are they gonna do send 300 wreckers because they can't tell us all. I was like, well, good point. And that's kind of, I mean, there's plenty of rules. Another one I recommended was any developer that's building warehousing should have to dep- have to provide parking. Exactly. And yes. they should share that cost. So if you have a development park with, you know, five or 10 warehouses, you know, that the come up with some, some type of number that works for everybody. You know, if you have 15 bay doors, you should be, you should have to provide three parking spots. Some, yeah. some kind of thing. Because, I mean, you know, like, I don't know how the rest of the country is. Like, I don't leave Colorado that much, but Colorado's a booming market right now for warehouses. I mean, look down the highways we drive. They're popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Why not make it to where you guys have to add parking spots? Because it's the truth. Like, I'll, I'll tell you why. My my tinfoil hat. They're looking to get warehouses within every five, 300 miles of each other so then they can go out to all electronic self-driving trucks yep. short haul there will be no more long haul it'll all be short haul all fucking hopscotch trucking that's what i think they're doing no and i mean it, it, you, you start looking like the trucking market more and more and you're not really getting any of the the ftl or the ltl it's or you shouldn't you're not getting more of the full truckload it's all starting to become like xpo <laughs> old dominion <laughs> stuff like that they say it is but it's not that's another thing cracks my brokers i don't know how long it's been since you've looked at a load board oh, uh, a long time i've seen uh, 40,000 pounds, 35 foot partial. Oh, did, I, I, I've seen those when I had a load <laughs> like, board and you're, yeah. Uh, I'm like a partial. Really? What else are you putting on that chair? You dummy. And then I'll see it for hot shots too. Cause <gasps> they have separate listings for hot shots. And like everyone knows hot shots. Generally, a lot of these guys are doing the non CDL route. So most of them can't carry more than 9,000 pounds. I can carry 
I mean, if I can spread the weight just in the perfect way, I can pack about 18,000 pounds on my trailer and be legal. Um, but yeah, I'll see loads that listed for a hot shot, 30 foot, 12,000 pound partial. It's like, that's not a partial for a hot shot. That's a full load. And the other thing is like hot shot isn't really hot shot anymore. It's cheap partial. It's, it's the alternative to not having a guy like me come in with a full size rig and be able to charge an astronomical amount because it costs me a lot more to operate and well and that and even so on that note the cost of operating like this will be a funny one i had a broker tell me one time i was hauling containers from kansas city to denver i have no i don't know if you noticed but a pickup's about six foot shorter than a semi <laughs> you don't have a sleeper to break wind <laughs> i have nothing. no wind break so i'm basically hauling this giant square parachute behind and my pickup at about 70 miles an hour on I-70, it's all basically flat from Kansas to here. Um, no wind. You've pulled in Kansas with no wind? Rarely. As I say, dude, I've <laughs> done I-70 to Missouri a lot. Yeah. And it does, like, and the weird thing is, is Kansas is stupid. I will say this. But it switches on each the, side of the state. The, the, the wind, dude. Like, you sidewind one way, sidewind the yeah. other opposite side. And then you, get, you, you have I-70, which is like dead nuts in the middle of, of Kansas. And you're getting clobbered from the north with wind, mm-hmm. and you're getting clobbered from the south with wind. Mm-hmm. And on the highway, for some weird reason, it does like a, a tornado yep. right there. And you're like, what the fuck? Yep. I always look up the wind when I'm hauling containers. Because, like I said, with no wind, I'm lucky to get six miles a gallon. If I hit wind, and it's like you said, I-70, it's north or south. It's always going to be a side wind. That's the worst wind. I'm better off having a headwind than I am a side wind hauling a container. Yep. I'll be getting... At 60 miles an hour, probably five miles a gallon. So anyway, I had this broker moving containers, and they keep dropping the price every week. So someone in Greeley was buying all these containers. Um, they were on contract moves. So basically, they tell these brokers, you have to move 100 containers a week or whatever. So I always noticed if you wait till Thursday, they start paying more. And he, he tells me, we're paying semis 1800 bucks a container. We're paying hot shots 1600 I was like, I'll do it for 1800 He goes, well, what do you have? I was like, a hot shot. He's like, okay, well, we're only paying you guys. It's like fifteen. It's like a $300 difference. I was like, no. It's the same empty container going from the same place to the same place. And he said something. I was like, so what? Do you pay fucking Volvo guys less than Peterbilt guys or what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what's your theory there? The guys who and, have the aerodynamic trucks versus the guys that like me who like you literally are driving a well, brick? And his, his, well, semis have a higher cost of operating. I was like, let me tell you something about cost of operating with these containers. First of all, and this is something I've been struggling with for years is trying to justify the cost of operating. Um, I've had this conversation with the, like, uh, like Curtis, you know, Curtis Robbins. I've had this conversation with him too. He's like, Oh, well your tires are cheaper. I was like, yeah, but I replace them four times as often. I get a month, month and a half out of a set of tires. Yep. So I, I'm getting pretty close to catching up on that. The container five miles a gallon, like it's 600 I, miles from here to Kansas yeah. city. I mean, I know some guys that were, you know, driving the Freightliners or the Volvos, you know, even, even some of the guys with like the Peterbilt's running the Detroit's, they got no power, but they're getting six, seven hauling those containers. They're not heavy, but you know, when they got a f- stand up sleeper on there and they're breaking that air just right, they're getting six or seven. Now everybody knows those cats, you know, you're getting smiles per gallon at that rate. Yeah, it's, it's four and a half, five <laughs> miles a gallon. Yeah, but, see, but I'm catching up with the, with the pickup at this point. Yep. I, like I said, five. Um, so, you know, the cost of operating thing, it, it's almost becoming a nil point 
because of the market and the regulation so bad at this point because there ain't a single hotshot guy these days because all those trucks pre-2000 they can't do it like mechanically i have gone down the rabbit holes of buying older trucks but i'm very brand loyal to my brand so i won't buy anything else i've considered building a truck especially for it that maybe is a backwards glider that says it's not a backwards glider right <laughs> that makes sense um because i mean i know they thought they were smart saying oh you can't take an old truck and put a new engine in it because now you got to run an eld and i'm like well how many dot guys are smarter than me and can really tell where that engine came from well that's another thing too like going like that right like so you're right like our operating cost it is kind of it's not really a conversation anymore because at the end of the day because i'm not doing the work i should be doing so th- th- that's why i was trying to get to real quick was Hotshot has it's become in between LTL and expedited. So yep. Hotshot, the intention was expedite quicker. Well, when they put the ELD mandate, that got rid of that idea. Like you can't hop in a pickup and drive across the country no more. You can't take a tool head from Texas to North Dakota in two days anymore. That ruined that. And then we were never supposed to be hauling eighteen thousand pounds. It was supposed to be like I said. Oh, we we have a broken drilling rig costing two hundred thousand dollars a day. We need this one little tool head that's in Midland, and we need it in, you know, bumfuck North Dakota or Wyoming. Yep, it, that's gone away. So now we're doing work that like it doesn't even make sense anymore. And then we're doing it at a rate that doesn't make sense no matter who you are. Yeah, because like like you said, three hundred dollars more for a semi. No matter what, the container is the same on a semi or your gooseneck. It, it it's the same. It's the yeah. same amount of weight. It's the same height. The same yep. width. It's so you're right. Like to your I point. mean, he came around the next day. He called the next morning. You still got two trucks? Sure do. But now it's two thousand. <laughs> yeah, he came around though because he had to hit his quota, or they were going to move to a different broker. But no, that was that. That's the thing with the whole trucking industry, and this is why you know when I was bringing up the convoy and all that stuff, it's like the. There needs to be change and there needs to be an effective change or it's all going to disappear. And it's going to become a point that nobody can do anything anymore. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, you, the thing about trucking, it, it's a, it, like, you know, being this is the blue collar syndicate is anything blue collar. It's very tight niche pipeline, HVAC, um, plumbing those guys it, it, they're everything in the in the blue collar world it's tight niche it's you know you have a friend in it you, that's how you kind of get into these yeah. these these blue collar jobs and trucking is one of those deals man to where it is so tight knit and you it's it's not what you know it's who you know mm-hmm. anymore um oh yeah you know i've i've had i've had buddies that you know I've been doing stuff and I've helped them kind of get their foot in the door to keep going and get running and stuff. And like, there's a lot of it's, you put your name out there, you build your brand, you know, like to go to the, to that point, like me, you know, I'm, I'm Jay clear with Lear trucking. You're Albert with next level companies. You've made a customer base. People know what they're going to get from you and they know what they're going to get from me. What people lose sight of in that, you know, like I have, there's a lot of people who want to start these trucking companies, and it's like you would be amazed, and you know, like it's there's still people trying to get on with this and do it, and don't it, it, it's <laughs> it, it's if you were not on that 2020 that COVID wave, and you're trying to get into it, you are so far behind the curve, it's not even funny, and these people don't realize like the work that you've put in, that I've put in, that you know, people we know have put in. 
we've built that 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 brand that that level where they know we're going to get it done and we're going to get it done quick people see they jump right away and this is a big thing you know for me is like a lot of people jump to instant gratification oh, yeah. it has to be you know well you're doing good jake you're doing good albert like why can't i start a trucking company or whatever i want to start and why can't i be where you're at successful right away yeah i i've it's like anything like you said blue collar you know middle class labor it's it's the same thing uh people think cuz they look and they see someone doing it they can do it too but they don't ask a lot of deep thought questions um especially on the hot shot side cuz everyone has the same dumb idea i have i got a pickup just let me go buy a trailer it worked for me and it barely worked cuz if i showed you some numbers you'd be like dude what are you doing here have you considered just going to work for someone else yet and there's there's problems and what i what i don't see i know some people right now that are getting into the hot shot thing and there's two problems i can tell you right now you cannot be professional legit and profitable it's like that old there was an old video going around it's like good fast and cheap you only get two yep. it's basically how hot shot trucking is you can be legit professional or cheap like you can't have more than one and it and it won't the end result it won't be profitable i bought new trucks new trailers did all these things it didn't work i could barely pay the guy who's driving for me and he's the cheapest driver you could ever fucking find you know he he did it because he was my friend and i was helping him he was helping me and you know me helping him helped me at the same time type of deal nobody else in their right mind would work for what he worked for the year he was here but there's uh what's the old saying just because you're good at it doesn't mean just because you can do it doesn't mean you should be the boss or whatever. There's some saying like that. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, and that's why I see a lot in trucking. A lot of guys think, I'm a great fucking driver. Let me go buy a truck. And it, like you said, there's a big, big fucking bandwagon, like peaks and valleys you need to hit. We hit one during the COVID years. You hit a double win, actually, because you got a good truck at an affordable price. Yep. I initially intended to actually just go from my old three quarter ton old trusty to a semi that was the plan then the hotshot thing got so busy and i was making more with less than some semi drivers so i was like well, let me get two and let me buy new ones and then that's where the cost of operating so i i grew and then i realized this doesn't make sense we're putting you know, you're spending a dollar to make five cents at this point. Like it doesn't even make sense at this rate. No. And that's, you know, like I, like I said, I've, 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 exp I've, I've tried expanding. I did it. And like what you said, and this is the, you can't own trucks in odd or even numbers. I've learned this the hard way. You <laughs> yeah. can't, and you know exactly what I'm saying yeah. too. And what I mean by that is, is if you want two trucks running, you better have a third one sitting idle. Exactly. If anything happens, so someone could slip seat the truck and get back on the road. I had two trucks. Um, had a, helped a guy get his CDL. You know, he it was it was a family member. It's kind of like kind of like you, like you know, helping someone out getting started. And my truck is my old trusty, my Peterbilt, and I bought a 2006 Freightliner Columbia. And before you know, people were like, "Oh, it's a garbage <laughs> truck." It had a Detroit in it, and I don't know who owned this truck before me, but it was so hopped up. I mean, stupid. And this truck got ten miles a gallon loaded, empty, crosswind. It was. It <laughs> didn't was care. Didn't Just ten care. to ten. It, ten. Ten to ten. That's what it would do. But the problem was, 
is with that second truck, my first truck was always carrying the second. Mm-hmm. Something would happen. Something would happen. You know, I had to put an alternator in it in Junction City, Kansas. Well, the profit margin for that truck, the second one, ended up getting into my truck because the downtime I'd have to do to stop to fix it or, you know, a tire or one night we lost a shock on middle of I-70 um, after Junction City in the Flint Hills where you come over that bridge and, dude, it's like it just falls oh, out. Dude. You know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you, you need to be in the left lane of <laughs> yep. that bridge. Like, it's I'll ride horrible. left lane almost all the way to Maple Hill. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and see Maple Hill? Like, dude, I love that truck stop. Like, I see pictures yeah. of you on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, that's my man. He's over there. That's the best truck stop. That's, I spent many – I spent – when I'm hauling containers for the guy in Hayes, I pretty much spend every night there, and I'd always laugh. Everyone packs up, and I'm like, why? We got all this room. Why are you all sitting next to each other? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I would, like how you park next to the – The tree? The, yeah, the, that's where I always park. <laughs> I actually have – I'll show you a picture, and we're done. I got. I yep. always park my semis there. Um, They're getting an upgrade, by the way. Ooh. I see him putting a bunch of concrete and stuff in. So. Oh, nice. And, um, but back to what I was saying, um, that the, trying to grow your business is really good. Like I, I, I applaud people for doing it and being able to do it, but I had to learn the hard way. And Hell. that's when I learned that I'm better off just having to deal with myself because I have a really bad habit of if you complain too much or you keep breaking shit, I get really irritated and then I don't want to deal with you. See, my bad habit with my guy is he's a good dude, easy to get along with. Like he's basically my wife's truck driver because she'll call me with a load and I'm like, nope, not hauling that. Fuck that. Ain't doing that. I ain't tarping shit. They don't pay enough for me to tarp anymore. I've had to tarp too many loads. And not to mention, you know, those fucking tarps over there, four, f- four, five, six hundred bucks a piece. And yeah. they also weigh a hundred pounds a piece. And people were wanting me to tarp the dumbest things with sharp corners. And I kept ripping them. I'm like, not tarping. Gave him the tarps. He's like, I'll tarp. He don't care. I was like, all right, whatever. I ain't tarping shit. Well, and the bad thing is like going back to the broker thing, dude, it's like fucking pulling teeth to get them to pay for a tarp load. They, they'll yeah. be like, I'll give you $25 extra. And it's like, even for you, I'm sure, like, I've had to tarp a load before. It takes, like, 30, 45 minutes to an hour to tarp anything just because you're trying to get it from not flapping. And it's just like, this is really not worth the $25. Oh, dude, I, and on top of that, I would have them tell me, you need to tarp a skidster. Not tarping a skidster. No. I'm sorry. No. Like, there was one I picked up. They did, They demanded the cab be tarped. I didn't tarp it. <laughs> like, I'm not, did you tarp it? Sure did. I asked the shipper, you need to tarp? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I know the bro the rate con says it, but I ain't doing it. Oh, you yeah. guys ain't paying enough for me to haul it anyway. The only reason I'm hauling it is because it's going home, and I want to be home this weekend. Yeah, but no. Uh, with the expanding thing, I was telling you, like that guy I had, you know, he was great, and he was kind of just my wife's truck driver because I was also real picky. Like I'm not going to Chicago, not happening. Um, send him to Chicago. He had friends in Chicago, so every time he loved going to Chicago because we'd you because <laughs> we couldn't pay him what he deserved. There was a lot of things I did outside of work for him. So, like, you know, I put him on my personal credit cards to help get his credit score up so he could get his life back together. Um, he doesn't have a lot of family. So, I was like, what do you want to do for Thanksgiving? He's like, well, if we get a load to Chicago, I got friends. I'll go have Thanksgiving with my friends in Chicago. And I was like, okay. So, I told my wife, find a load to Chicago. Doesn't pay enough. Well, he wants to be there. Just take it anyway. And so, we did a lot of just out of the side of the shit to just try to keep it up. And, uh, but like you were saying, the, the double the same thing his when his truck was profitable my truck was losing when my truck was profitable his truck was broken and then where my like like you were saying being frustrated with people because they 
complain or this or that. He wasn't like much of a complainer. The ELD thing though, I would be on there be like, why'd you stop for 20 minutes here? Why'd you stop? And I'd like, I had to explain to him like you're making deliveries later than you could because of all these stops. Like I seen one time he took his 30 minute break. Fine. And then I see he was getting fuel for 25 minutes, like an hour later. I'm like, what the fuck happened there, dude? Double that shit up. And I'm like, as an owner, I'm not supposed to say shit like that. But I'm like, dude, get your field, take your break all at once. And he's like, well, it wasn't that. It was, there was a fucking line and the pumps were slow as fuck. I was like, dude, then get back on the highway and go to the next truck stop. So it was like trying to deal with like micro problem solving. That wasn't his strongest suit. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm a person like, if you have a problem, that's fine. I'm totally fine with people having problems. Everybody has them. But in the thing, like, and this is where I'm like, being the owner, like you said, if I have a problem, I, I'll be sitting in my truck with whatever's wrong and I'll be sitting there talking to myself with, and I'll come up with two solutions. I can do this or I can do this. Yeah. And like when I had that second truck, I would get called for, Hey, um, the shock fell off and I was with him like totally fine. I was one of those things like, I don't know how the fuck this happened, uh, but I, I know exactly where it happened. Like it happened. Let's get it fixed. But when you're, trying to pick up a load, you know, cause we were, we was dropping hook what we were doing. And when I have to stop for two hours and try to call a 24 seven parts place to get a part. And because it's nine o'clock at night, I'm already paying an astronomical, a stupid amount yeah. for a, a fucking $50 shock. I just paid 120 because it's after five. That's another thing I always like to remind big truck drivers when they're talking shit about my hot shot. There is no 24-7 parts place for pickups. No, you're, there is no roadside for pickups. You're, you're so, O'Reilly's Napa and everything. Yeah, I mean. yeah. So granted, it sucks to pay that ridiculous amount to get a blowout fixed on the side of the road. At least you can do it, though. Yep. I've had to fucking three-wheel it places. I've had to do some dumb stuff. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> so you, like it, it goes back to to that. Like The guy I had, he was, he was a good driver. He got it done, but going back to the ELD thing, I was able, I, I know my limits on driving. Mm-hmm. I can drive 15, 16 hours every day and sleep, you know, from, for eight, 10 hours and I'm good to go. I can do that every day. Oh, yeah. But like you said, 11 hours, like you have people that 11 hours of driving is too much. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're tired and yeah. I, I, I'm not knocking on them. They're like, I totally get it. I'm just I can do it. So I don't like to stop and sleep. So I would like Maple Hill. I got really familiar with that. Like we'd stop there every, we'd go, we would drive through, go pick up our trailers in Independence, Missouri, come back to Maple Hill and sleep. Yeah. Dude, I would. Well, it's I, the best truck stop between there and Independence it, anyway. It is, dude. Like that's the only <laughs> no, one. No, you ain't getting parking in it. The other two big ones and all the other little ones are super shitty. No. And, um, I would lay there for three or four hours after we'd park. Exactly. Just being wide awake on my phone you know my wife's already asleep mm-hmm. i'm just sitting there playing games on my phone watching hulu and youtube and <laughs> yep. i mean you know just start you start going down rabbit holes of dude i can't tell you i watched like the first six seasons of highway through hell on hulu <laughs> in like a week dude oh i do that too like, that, that's the thing with the the elds and stuff that's so he was kind of the same way i i used to explain myself as like i'm a dump truck i can go a really long time maybe not at the fastest speed he was he he was a 12 hour a day guy and that that's fine. But 
it was it was like I need you to fix these little things, and we'd always get in little arguments about it. And then the other problem is I'm super mechanically inclined. I can pretty much fix anything. I mean, old trusty. I I, I told the story before about having a pretty big fucking failure in the middle of bumfuck Montana, making my wife cry, and then feeling like a piece of shit, and then tearing my whole truck halfway apart in a parking lot. That was the up pipe, right? Yeah. I it was a shit show with a Walmart fucking thirteen dollar Walmart toolkit. And, uh, but I got it done anyway, he would have these other little problems. And I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, this is how you deal with that. And he's like, I'm like, I'm one of the, I would have sometimes those knee jerk reactions where he'd call me and be like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, well, fucking handle it. You know? So then I, I had to tell him cause I knew I couldn't help my mouth. Sometimes it talked faster than I could think. So I tell him, text me first. Text me your problem and then I'll call you. Yep. <laughs> so I have time to stew on it for a second. Cause sometimes they were problems he couldn't deal with other times they weren't. Um, he had a problem with my truck. He ended up using my truck to do a run up in Oregon and the truck just freaked the fuck out one night. He calls me at like 11 o'clock. He's like, dude, I'm trying to park you. Every light on the dash is on. There is no fucking power. I don't know what the fuck to do. So I'm like, fuck. I'm like, well, can you get off the highway? And he's like, yeah, maybe. And so I'm like on the phone. And he's like, dude, I'm going like two miles an hour trying to, I got to get to the next exit and get off. And luckily he figured like, I don't know what happened. He's, I told him park it. I started calling for rental trucks. He got to a Chevy dealership. I was like parking their fucking parking lot. Right. <laughs> and I, I don't know what else to do. And, uh, so he got there and then he calls me in the morning. He goes, truck's fine. It's like, okay. I already had a plan. I had the rental truck. And then I was going out there in old trusty with my, my, per, my, in my personal truck. And I was going to drag that truck back here and this whole fucking shit show. And he's like, dude, I don't know. After I got off the phone with you, I unhooked the batteries all night. It's fine. I was like, huh? Okay then. But, uh, there's other times like I'd have him go buy a scanner so he could tell me the problems. There's all kinds of stupid problems. And I'm, and that's where my failure was, is like, you have to recognize when you're growing, like you, everybody can't be you. So it was the same problem like you were saying with the hours. It's like he would park because he's tired of driving. I'm like, dude, you could have went further. And then I had to, I would, sometimes I was just being rude, but other times I wasn't wrong. I was, I I would show him like, if you would have went an hour further this day and then an hour further this day, you could have made delivery Friday afternoon, but now we're waiting until Monday. Yep. Monday. Now we got to wait to unload. It's going to be half a day where Monday morning we could be getting you loaded on the road again. He had to deal with a lot of problems like that. And then. Yeah, the ELD thing, that that's a curse because I can see exactly what he's doing sometimes. So it's kind of like I'd be like, don't look at it because it's gonna make me mad. <laughs> no, and like um, that's you're right. Like I think, oh, I, I was gonna say though how you were saying you watch three, four hours oh, of TV. Yeah. The same thing, Maya, and yeah, five hours a night is plenty for me. And my wife was like, I don't know how you do it. My wife's like eight, nine hours of sleep. She needs it, and. I was telling her, I was like, because when I park for my 10, that I usually, if I park at six, I'm dicking around till midnight, one in the morning if I fall asleep anyway. It's like now I'm working really late. I park, I go shit, shave and shower and go to sleep. Done. Yeah. And I that's, don't, I don't shave. But, but <laughs> like that, like my wife's the same way. She's like, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how you can drive this and do this. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gone from to and back. In one shot. Oh yeah. I mean, the you just hit a second wind, and to be completely honest with you, I would rather drive through Kansas 
when it's pitch black out. You're not missing anything. You're not. There's nothing <laughs> nah. to see. <laughs> no. The the lights the lights you see are literally like the end of the tunnel because you're like, oh, I'm coming into Hayes. I'm coming mm-hmm. into Colby. I'm coming into Goodland. Oh, there's Burlington. Like yeah. I'm almost there. Yeah. And but like what you're saying is my my downfall with that was is even now like you know when when I when friends are starting their companies and stuff like that they'll call me with problems and knee-jerk reaction well you can do this this and this me not thinking like i expect them to be like me yeah exactly like you know um when when i there's there's a guy right now it's slow you know and he's calling me you know hey do you got anything you got anything and i do or i did i i do and i don't like i want to help you but at the same time like i i had a little bit of a jump start with what I started with and then I had to go and find my stuff yeah. and kind of get that struggle and I know this makes me sound like a total asshole and I'm not trying to but I think when you start a company you need to have a little bit of that struggling oh, you, need, you, you need to know that you can do this on your own and not rely on someone else to always be pulling a string and getting something going for you because if that's what you base your company off of it's not going to work. Oh yeah. No, I mean my, my company is a prime example of that. So like first two years we were 90% brokered loads. Um, this year I've probably done fuck. I not that many. Like I've done a lot more direct work than I have brokered loads. And that's what you were saying about dealing with that struggle is it's, I had to kind of learn that, that with that second truck and everything that more, Less is more sometimes. Yep. And then you, you, you encounter a whole different set of problems. Like I, sometimes I don't even know what to do. Cause I'm like back in the day, like old trusty days, I'm going all over the fucking place, going crazy trucks breaking. Cause I'm running. I mean, I started hot shotting the truck had 250,000 miles on it already, <laughs> you know, and I got it up to 350 now. And, uh, but there, I dropped a drive shaft in the middle of Nebraska with a woolly mammoth statue on my truck. Everybody and their brother stopping to ask me, what the fuck is that on the trailer? And I'm sitting here with a broken drive shaft in the middle of a two lane highway with no shoulder. Right. I'm like, great. You know, so I had to figure, you know, I had to fucking get in four wheel drive. I'd pull the rest of the drive shaft out and I had to get to a Napa and I had to fucking, it was a shit show. And I'm like, do I want to deal with those problems or the problems I have now is like, now I'm getting busy with a lot of direct work. Great. Cash flow problems now though, because direct work, I can broker load. I can factor it and get paid in 24 hours. Yep. No, and like and see, like I've had to do that. I've had to use um, factoring, and I, I know how to do it. And that's what I'm saying. You know, to that point, like you have to go through those because you have to be able to learn how to do this and when yeah. to do it. And I have direct customers too. And you know, I have a customer that's a crane. And I, like I said earlier, they they pay uh, they pay stupid. Like it's stupid amount of money they pay. Must be a crane thing because that's my yeah. best customer too. <laughs> and but the problem is, is like I've ran for them for a month straight and. For a semi, a month straight, I'm usually financing five to six thousand dollars in just fuel. Yep. Nah, so then now I, when I get paid, it it comes back you know three or four times over. Yeah. But if you run to that point where you're like, fuck, I have five thousand dollars out on fuel right now. American Express and Capital One make a lot off of me when yeah. I work for those guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, like, um, it's it's crazy. Like you people don't think of that. You know, they they see your nice pickups. They see my nice my nice semi and they think it's easy and it's, it's not like they don't see the back end of it. It's always, 
it's always easier on the other side. Yep. You know, everyone from this side, it looks easy. Like from my side, I'm always thinking how much easier life would be with a semi. And then from the semi guy's side, everyone's like, man, oil changes would be so easy on your truck. <laughs> You're not buying the freaking <laughs> yeah. 60 quart freaking, freaking thing. Two dude. and a half gallons. That must be nice. Yeah. Like <laughs> $10 know, oil filter. Yeah. Like, you know, my, my oil filter is, you know, 50 bucks, yeah. 80 bucks for my oil filter. It's, 45 for my fuel and it's another 45 for my water separator so just in filters i mean i'm at you know 100 and 100 and some change 150 and change i've done all my service by now and yeah <laughs> you, you've you've yeah. bought your filter your air filter you've you're done flip side though i do have to tell people i'd have to do it three times as often so yep it gets close sometimes and um you know oil right now is stupid price i think you can buy a gallon of rotella i mean if you go to loves it's like 35 bucks a gallon if you go to like napa or at AutoZone, or you i'll tell you the secret to the oil thing i figured out lately what's that so first of all i switched away from i switched from otello to dello and then i switched from dello to lucas lucas is cheaper i think it's better and it's the cheapest at bumgars Hmm. Buy a five gallon bucket of bum guards. See, I found out last year I quit buying all my service stuff except for the uh, fuel filters at auto parts stores. The cheapest I was finding oil was tractor supply and bum guards. I could see that. I, it never dawned on me until I was like walking through one one day and I think I seen a gallon of Dello for like sixteen bucks. I was like, it's fucking nineteen at O'Reilly's. And then it was like uh, when Lucas started trying to like push into the market real hard. You could get a, ga- a gallon of Lucas was fourteen bucks, and a five gallon thing was seventy. Damn! I think it's up to eighty five or ninety now for five gallon bucket. Dang! But I'm actually really impressed with the Lucas oil. So anyone who wants to look into oil, I think the Lucas is good shit. Yeah, seeing like truckers, they're brand loyal. Oh, like one yeah. hundred. I was hard old trusties. I had nothing but Rotella for years. Yeah, and like, <laughs> like dude, like um, like the the best I can adequate this to, so it gets context. Truck drivers are like Harley Davidson people, motorcycle people. Yep, dude, you you have a Peterbilt, you ride or die for that brand. There's no, oh, he's got it. That's a nice Kenworth. No, it's fuck those Kenworth. You know, and like Kenworth are the same way. Like it, it, it's huge brands. And like me, I only run Rotella in my truck. So like for me, like what you're saying, like now I'm like, oh, I can get oil cheaper. But then I'm also like, oh man, I don't know if I want to switch the oil. The the thing that got me, I still run Rotella and Old Trusty, but. Rotella did change their formula a while ago. And I talked to a bunch of guys running semis and everybody, the bunch of guys that were running semis said they all switched to Dello and were using, it was eating up a lot less oil and it was knocking a lot less. So the guys were getting really impressed with Dello. So I started running Dello in the pickups and it was the same price as Rotella when I switched to Dello. So I I switched to Dello strictly because everyone said that they felt it was better than Rotella because when Rotella switched over to like, what is it now? The T6. I mean, I burned through every thousand miles with Rotella. I burned through a gallon of oil. See, like three years ago, I, it was fine. I talked to a guy, he, the same, he had a Kenworth though, and he was saying the same thing. He said he's burning about a gallon. And then when he switched to Dello, and he still does the Lucas oil stabilizer, but he said when he switched to Dello, it was like a quarter gallon. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what t- Rotella changed, but I switched to Dello. My oil consumption went down by like 70%. Yeah, and that's like me. Like, I, I change mine. I'm religious every 10,000. So you figure every thousand I'm eating, and it's it's not it's not leaking anywhere. It's it's burning it. Like, yeah. And, and my truck's fine. Like, I've, I've, I do oil samples on it every time an oil change, and like, 
it doesn't get hot it doesn't it just it just eats it yeah and um so you figure for me for 10,000 miles at 32 bucks a gallon you know if i'm paying like you know market price it loves or whatever just in that alone i'm at 320 dollars before your oil change oil change so I'm actually going to look into that now that I've heard that because... Yeah, I know the, a lot of guys are still impressed. I haven't... I went off on Lucas on my own. No one told me. I literally just was like, that's cheap. I want to try it. And then I started running it. And the thing I noticed between the Lucas and the Dello was I was like, well, I like Lucas products. Everything else I use is Lucas. I use all Lucas oil stabilizer, yep, hub oil, that stuff all is, that stuff. Lucas oil stabilizer, I will be the first one to tell you. I don't know what the hell they put in it. That shit works. Because my oil pressure, I've changed oil and I forgot to put it in there. And then I'll let it burn that gallon out, and I will throw that in there, and my oil pressure goes up, you know, 10, 20 yeah, PSI. Yeah, and I don't, even, I don't even run a full 20% mix like you're supposed to. I run, with my pickups, it's one one pint yeah. with an oil change. That's all I do every time. Yeah. And I know it's the same thing, higher oil pressure. But when I switched to the Lucas, like, I, I did it purely out of, that looks cheap, let me try it. <laughs> but then I started running it. I, my engine was a lot quieter and the oil was not near as nasty when I changed it. The Dello was like water once I changed it. And like mine, it's, um, my, my, the Rotella, I will say that is, is it, when I change it, it's just like straight water. You're like, yeah. this is, has no viscosity yeah. to it. It's not, that's how I felt. You about put your Dello. hand in it and you like rub it and you're like, is there anything even? Yeah. Here? Yeah. Like <laughs> this is what's protecting my motor. But yeah. I, I've noticed that too. Like my semi, you know, when I start it up in the morning and it's cold, I let it sit in idle for 30 minutes before I move it. Like 15 minutes, low idle, 15 minutes, high idle, let everything get warm. That first 15 minutes, my truck just, it's, you know, you can hear it. It's just loud. Everything's noisy. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm sitting there like, well, am I hitting a fucking a valve? Like yeah. what the hell's going on? And then, then once I drive it throughout the day, it gets better, but I'm just like, man, this doesn't. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to try some different oils now. Yeah. Like I know a lot of semi guys still swear by Dello. I'm I'm if I I probably will be switching to a semi sooner than later, so I'll probably I think I'll stick with Lucas unless it unless it gives me a reason not to. I mean, every engine's different, you know. You switch from a, you know, a Duramax to a Caterpillar, it might not like the the Lucas oil as much, who knows. The uh uh the other thing I was going to say on like the trucking and the growing and the startup and all that stuff. When you started, so you had, you got a pretty good deal on a truck. Sounds like you didn't have to do a bunch of financing. Have you financed any equipment? Yes. I have financed my flatbed. And did you go through a commercial lender? Uh, yeah. And how'd that work out? Cause if it worked out like mine, I'm sorry. It was <laughs> so like, I don't like financing stuff. I like, I'm one of those people like, I have I have debt, but I hate it. Like I yeah. hate having a house payment. Like if I could pay my house off, I totally would. Cars, oh. anything like that. I mean, I would. I, I want to be debt debt free. You know, you, you'd faint at my debt Rolodex right now. <laughs> <laughs> not, but not you know, good. I financed my trailer, and this is you know it's hard of COVID and everything. So when I bought the trailer, it was a hell of a deal. I put a you know three or four thousand down on it, bought it, and I'm surprised you financed a flatbed. <laughs> It, so cheap. They, they, yeah. But I was, it was when I was starting and it was getting into that, you know, I just, I, I'd spent all my money on other things, yeah. you know, trying to get everything going. And I mean, I don't know if you have it. Do you have a compliance person or do you guys do it all? No, I do it all. See, so when I started, I didn't think I could do it all. So I was paying yeah. someone stupid amount of money oh, every they month. They got you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, was it Foley? No, it was um, the chiropractic clinic in Brighton. Oh, that fucking guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do all my DOT physicals. Yeah, so I do. That's what I do too. But you know, there, there's a lady there. She was awesome. And a lot of them are really good and knowledgeable. It's just, I'm, I'm a little different too though. Cause when I was 21, I was pushing the whole truck department at T&M. So I got real compliance familiar real quick. Cause I don't know how a 21 year old ended up and I shouldn't have been in charge of all that right. shit, but I was, so I had a little bit of heads up on a lot of that. And I've always been a stickler for compliance just cause I know how fast it can sink a company when you're not. And so I, I got lucky on that front. Like everything we do is pretty much in house. Yep. And like, so, you know, like, like starting up, you to kind of you know backlight on the finance you i felt like i'd bit more off than i could chew with you know trying to learn all the compliance stuff yeah. my ifta and it's my, a lot of my, shit it, it's a lot of stuff and when you throw yourself into it you're just like oh man. that's also why i say shout out to the wife because she's the one who does the ifta and the irp yeah so like me like i i used to leave the state a lot now i don't so yeah. i'm actually going back to just straight tvw local plates like yeah and I'm, I'm i got the letter for ifta i'm gonna close it out and be done and if I need to go back, I will. But so I, that's why I did it. You know, I financed it and I financed it for like six months and made my money hauling trees from Independence back and paid it. Like I just paid the trailer off. So I mean, I had a short loan. Wow. I knew it was going to be short. But when it came to pay the trailer off, dude, it sucked. Like it would, they fought me tooth to nail because they were pissed. They didn't get all their interest out of it. They were like, well, you know, you still need to. Oh, so you got nothing. You got a better finance deal than I did. Yeah. So I mean, I had that, but they were, they were like, well, why are you paying it off early? And I'm like, I'm done with it. Like, I don't, I, I, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Like, <laughs> why, why, and I was like, I was like, is there a stipulation as to why I can't pay it off early? Like, well, no, we're just like, you don't want to just make your minimum payment of like 200 bucks a month. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I, I can literally, I'm like, I'll give you my routing number and everything and take my money. Yeah, take my, yeah, like, I'm like, <laughs> and I told the lady, I was like, why are you arguing? Like, this is weird. Yeah. Like, I feel like you'd be like, so you got a better fight. And what's stupid is they fought you and it probably didn't make that much of a difference in the no, end. No, I, I mean, I had it for six months. So my interest rate on it was like 8%. It yeah. was, you know, cause that's another thing people don't talk about when you start a business. Yes. They go off of like your personal credit. But they also go off of how long have you been in business? You know, are you, mm-hmm. are you, you know, like uh, P&L's profit and loss statements. When I bought this trailer, I had nothing. Like I had just filed my taxes. So thank God I had that, you know, like, oh, this oh, is what I, I made I don't do year. my taxes. That's another thing. I don't, I don't mess First with that thing either. I did was get a tax guy. Yeah. And like, so, you know, I, I had it all done, but they're asking for this. And I'm like looking through my taxes and I'm like, oh, P&L, I need that. <laughs> what else do you need? We need, you know, how much money you made last year. Well, that's on that, but here's this like yeah. from, you know like so i had it all but and i'm like i'm like man like if i didn't like just have my taxes done i'd have been sitting at a computer for like six hours like how oh. much did i make this i'm, month? I'm a stickler i got a whole i got spreadsheets out of the ass i'm a numbers guy and like i i, I shouldn't be because it just make me sad but right like <laughs> and um so i did that and you got it paid off it was it was it was a it was an enjoyable experience no I, that's good though that it sounds like you got it pretty much the best way because so like i can tell you my finance deal on my nice gooseneck the one i still have front-loaded interest oh so i'm paying all the interest up front so i'll be paying i will have paid a little over 40 grand for a trailer i technically bought for 27 oh shit. that's the other thing gooseneck was twenty seven thousand dollars. oh man yeah so that's that's a business lesson i learned the hard way they called me back you're approved for a quarter million dollars if you want to buy some more equipment no thanks <laughs> no and like you know the, um not from you and that's the thing too is like when you start a business dude you get the most random pieces of junk mail hey you're approved for four hundred thousand. hey you're approved for this 
And what they don't tell you, like you said, is yeah, you're approved for that, but it's all, you're going to get, you know, this note or whatever you need for money. 20% front loaded interest. Yep. And you know, $27,000 trailer now becomes a $45,000 mm-hmm. trailer and you're just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. Yep. No, I, 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 I've had to learn those lessons pretty hard, especially so like when I started, I had no money. I had, I got no family to help out. Didn't. So I financed everything on credit cards when I started. So I did, you know, getting my truck ready to run the first trailer, the first two trailers I actually bought. Cause I've bought a total. I've had like, and knowing the equipment, that's another thing guys don't think about too is like, so when I first started, I bought a 30 foot low deck car hauling gooseneck after about two months realized that was not going to work. Um, then I bought a 30 foot, just normal dovetail gooseneck, ran that for a couple of years. Luckily sold it for a good price. Then I bought a 40 foot PJ and a 40 foot diamond C. Um, but yeah, the first two we bought on credit cards, the PJ I financed with a finance company. That was fine. That was a just run of the mill loan. Nothing crazy. Little, it's like seven or 8% interest. No big deal. The diamond C I was pretty much tapped out on my credit. So like I couldn't get traditional lending on it. So I had to go through a commercial lender and they got me. Yep. <laughs> they got me, but I needed the trailer fucking bad. Cause the, the 30 foot money wise was not cutting. I had one truck only towing 10,000 pounds. Those loads weren't paying enough to like keep everything going. I needed a bigger trailer and I refused to buy another cheap trailer. I wanted the nicest trailer I could buy. So went through that conundrum but on the financing deal, that's why I was curious how yours kind of looked was just a lot of people don't know. It's like you said, yours, my, my two trucks, the business finance, not me. So like, luckily when I refinance my house, those don't come back on my debt to income ratio. Yep. I would have never been able to refinance. Um, I am the guarantor on the loans though. So if the company ever eats a shit, they're going to chase me down for money. The, the finance thing is the thing I'm, I've, I think a lot of people need to hear more stories from every aspect. They need to hear the shitty front loaded interest story. They need to hear, you know, I've financed my business the worst way any financial advisor would ever tell you to do. My credit card debt numbers have been off the charts and they still are. And dealing with that is just kind of a shit show. And that's why I was also curious on your truck too, because so like I went for the trucking guys, most people know this 20, 2022 about mid-year i was like okay these trucks are killing me because i'm taking pickups and i'm running them like semis like that flatbed out there has got 180,000 on it and it's less than two years old my other truck i bought six months before i bought that one has 220 on it repair bills are starting to get insane yep and especially this year the truck that's at the dealership now i just put a transmission in it two months ago and now they're telling me it needs a twelve thousand dollar fuel system so i'm like oh great and it's got 220 on it. Can only imagine how far upside down I'm on that because I haven't been paying ahead on it because I've, the market hasn't been right. nice to me lately. So the uh, the financing deal. So anyway, I was like, I'm buying a semi. Fuck this. That was always the plan. I should have stuck. That was my other downfall as a boss. Is it's like I'm going to do this plan, and then Tuesday I have a different plan, and then yep. Wednesday I have a new plan. <laughs> and so it's like I did that, and I was like, all right, back to back to the semi plan. So I have shopped and shopped and shopped and I found this 97, 379 in Salt Lake city dealer 
I don't know if they got it on trade-in or if they bought it at an auction. They did not know what they had. Had a uh, 1LW in it with a platinum overhaul with 200,000 miles on the overhaul with paperwork. <coughs> Still had two years on the warranty and half a million miles on the warranty. Um, brand new paint, lime green. Perfect colors for me. I'm, my favorite color is green. So I'm like, fuck yeah, lime green, black frame, black wheels. I get to looking at the pictures. Things double framed all the way through. Oh, shit. And I'm like, dude, this is a pusher axle away from being a badass heavy haul truck. Right. And I'm like, I don't know what front, because it just had normal front tires on it. And I'm like, I don't know if that, I mean, could always switch out the front axle. But it's already got the full double frame, not just sleeved halfway under the cab. It's nose to nose double. And I'm like, hmm, somebody was going somewhere with this truck. Betting they ran out of money and got it repoed. They put a lot of money into it. How much do you think they're asking for it? Oh, God. So this would have been... Is either the end of 21 or the beginning of 22. So, they've been in the height of the truck crisis. Yep. They were probably asking like 45, 50 grand for it, just trying to move it. No. They were asking 70. Oh, shit. So, to me- Whoever bought that truck fucking stole it. Exactly. So, they were asking 70 grand for it. And I'm like, I mean, the overhaul was done by Caterpillar too. It wasn't even just done by a shop. It was done by Caterpillar. Uh, oh, brand new transmission too. Uh, they were asking 70. I found another truck here in Denver, basically the same thing without the double frame and it was blue, uh, 130. Oh yeah. So I'm like, Hmm. So I call the finance company I did the trailer with and I'm like, I don't want to talk to you guys, but I really want this truck. Uh, I explained the whole truck to them and they're like, yeah, but if you want to finance, it needs to be less than 10 years old and under half a million miles. Yep. That's usually their typical golden rule. And I was like, look, you want me to buy the dumbest truck. You want me to go buy a Freightliner, a Volvo, some bullshit that's 20, you know, like a 2018 with four. Because a lot of these trucks, the reason they go with 500 is because a lot of these big companies lease these trucks, turn them over before 500. So you'll find all these trucks and they all got 480, 490, yep. 450 on them. And uh, I was like, those trucks, I could buy it today, sit on it, and it's going to be worth $40,000 next year. Oh, yeah. Right now, they want ninety. I was like, this fucking truck prices are not going to hold here. And and I know guys like you, or before you, they were buying trucks in you know, 2015, 2016 for 30, 40 grand, running the dog shit out of them. And then COVID, and then hit. COVID hit, and they were selling them for eighty. Yep. So they got to run them for free for four or five years and made money on them. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, like... But anyway... Hold on. Let me finish this horrible deal. So I tell him, look, $70,000, I could drive that truck from Salt Lake to Denver and damn near double my money and probably 24 hours on fucking Facebook Marketplace of all things. Wouldn't fucking take it. Not even with 20, 30% down. They wouldn't fucking do it. I was, I was going to big borrow and still to put a big fat down payment on it. They still wouldn't do it. And I was like, you guys are so fucking dumb. Whoever got that truck, I hate you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But yeah, so that was... That was the setback, and I'm like, I'm not, bu- first of all, I'm a snob when it comes to trucks. I wanted 379, I'll settle for a W900. That's my, that's my goal. Right. <laughs> you know, that's my, my look, outlook on it. And uh, so I have the other 379, and it could be a good truck, but it needs a lot of work. So then I was like, oh, maybe I'll just figure out how to start dumping money into that thing and get it roadworthy. And I'm just like, I mean, I could spend 60 grand on a truck and have a truck I could probably drive tomorrow, but you're going to be working on it. You're going to have to do shit to it. It is what it is. Or I could spend 50, 60 grand on that truck and have a hundred and $130,000 truck, but 
doesn't really matter. I don't have 60 grand either way. So that's why I was, I wanted to touch on the financing deal just because I think a lot of people think it's like buying a semi or anything commercial. They think it's the same as going to a buy your pickup at the yeah, dealer. It's yeah. Not. It's so, it's such a shit show. You have to have the two years in business. Your interest rates are always going to be worse. Um, especially now, you know, right. our current status. I got to stop you for a minute. I got to give you, go to the bathroom. I was giving you a hard time about that. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> All right, guys, this is where I'm going to go ahead and split the episode. I know this is a super long one. Um, kind of what happens when you let us truckers start running our mouth. We jump down lots of rabbit holes and it kind of never ends. But I enjoyed it. The second part is maybe even a little better. Uh, Lyra drops some good nuggets of information. I throw out a billion dollar idea. And then kind of right at the end, I talk a little bit about the podcast and the direction and kind of the rebranding a little bit. Um, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Hopefully I can keep doing these, keep doing more. So on that note, wherever you're listening to this, uh, iHeart, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, make sure you leave a review, one star, five star, whatever, and then go over to Facebook and Instagram and follow the podcast. And just let me know what you think. I know I've said it a billion times. I'm still working on being a solo podcaster and learning how to talk better and direct conversation. So they'll only get better with time guys. Um, so yeah, appreciate you listening. Enjoy the second part as well. And that's all I got. <laughs>